All right, we're about ready to crank up the Sacred Fire of Liberty edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show. Fresh off the three-city barnstorming tour of Virginia last week, Jonathan Emore joins us for some updates from the trail as well as uh, a discussion of, uh, well, the very principles of, of liberty upon which this nation was founded and where we've abandoned them and where we're embracing them and a path forward. So that's coming up. Also, we have a, a new guest, uh, Michaeline uh, Risley, and uh, she's got, wow, quite a story, even being imprisoned in, in Zimbabwe, uh, dealing with uh, human trafficking things that she's, you know, been on the right side of all of that. But boy, what a story. We're going to share uh, that as well. So stick around. Tell your friends. The Robert Scott Bell Show is about to begin. RobertScottBell.com slash listen. We'll see you guys in the chat room as we crank this message of health, freedom, and healing liberty up for all. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty, The Robert Scott Bell Show. As you can tell, I think you can by now, back in studio from last week's triumphant uh, barnstorming tour of Virginia with my good friend, pal, and constitutional freedom hero, if I can call him that, and many other good things, Jonathan E. Moore, as we... Uh, uh, went through uh, where we go, Richmond, Lynchburg, and Leesburg last week. I, it's like a it's like a dream. Like we covered so much ground and met so many awesome people last week. Are you still buzzing? I am. It's phenomenal, Robert. You are the best MC ever, man. You, <laughs> well, you, you, you were phenomenal. You 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 made sure the whole show went through seamlessly. I mean, it was like the Robert Scott Bell show. No, it was great, and the the music, the inspiration, the the, the spirit, the gospel, the history, the, the all of that. If you guys and gals get to a Jonathan E. Mort event, whether it's in Virginia or outside of it, you definitely want to be there. It's insp inspiring and uplifting and empowering right. in a way that. Much of the news cycle, I think, distracts and detracts from uh, anybody that would, wants to share a message that is positive and uplifting. I mean, look, you and I can acknowledge things have gone horribly awry with the uh, Biden administration. We acknowledge that or, and or any other candidate you might be up against. But at the same time, the message of what we can do and what we are doing right now is often lost in complaining. And that's not your focus or mine other than to acknowledge, hey, this is the path you go down and this is where it ends up because we know history. We know what's happening now. Here's the path. If you want a better future and lay it on out, there's no mystery about it. And you're not unwilling in any way to answer those questions. Yeah. So all the people that showed up at each of these events, I mean, it was phenomenal. When we were down there in Lynchburg, remember when we went to that one restaurant, the Texas Inn? Yes. And uh, we're in that restaurant and, and the, the waitress endorses my candidacy and starts uh we got her in pictures and everything. That was hilarious. And then when she um, was talking about Youngkin coming down there when he first was campaigning, she said he would meet with one or two people. <laughs> and we we're real fortunate. I mean, we had very large audiences at each of the rallies. And that means, uh, you know, we, we decided we're going to do another 10 rallies like that across Virginia over the next couple of months. Nice. They're very, uh, very powerful, inspiring events that have united patriots behind this uh, cause all across the state. Uh, it gives me very great confidence. I'm really enthusiastic. We're doing it, Robert, and we're going to save our state in, in Virginia, and we're also going to save our country. 
people have had it. They're sick of it. They're no longer going to go for the woke uh, indoctrination in the schools. They don't want the military woke. They're sick and tired of people being kicked out of their jobs because of not getting the jab. They're sick and tired of their kids being told they have to have the jab. They're sick of people locking down the schools and the whole nonsense that has gone on behind us. They want gone forever. And there's good reason because our rights mm -hmm. are not capable of being suspended by a virus under the Constitution. Yeah. And you address that beautifully, by the way. Uh, unlike any other candidate, even m many Republicans that don't speak to it to the depth of knowledge that you have in the foundational documents. Again, there is no escape clause. There is no emergency clause. Even if you were to say we need to declare an emergency to stop a woke agenda. You know, if you have to abandon the Constitution to save the Constitution, uh, is the Constitution in force at all? No. And, and George Washington warned us of this type of activity. He said, uh, let there be no change by usurpation, for though in one instance it may be an instrument of good, it is the customary weapon by which free governments are destroyed. You can't allow the Constitution to be violated as a part of your agenda to achieve any end. I mean, otherwise you attack our rights as people because the only legitimacy of the Constitution is predicated on our consent. And that's what's stated in the second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence so well. I mean, our just governments derive their just powers from the consent of the governed. And so, yes, procedures matter when they're constitutionally mandated. Yes, we have to have Congress make all laws and not the bureaucratic oligarchy making all laws. Yes, we have to have a president that submits a proposal to Congress for approval rather than act unilaterally. That's called dictatorship. Biden loves it. I mean, it's no surprise that he's in bed with Xi Jinping on when it comes to influence peddling, because he wants to be just like Xi Jinping, the way he acts. He wants to rule without any restraints from the Constitution or any requirements that he follow the necessity of submitting his proposals to Congress for a vote. I mean, the man, the man is unrepentant totalitarian. He's an advocate of authoritarian governance. Mm -hmm. And all those that support him are equally guilty. And all those that don't take action against him are equally guilty. And that makes Tim Kaine, my opponent, a big guilty man. Yeah. yeah I want to go back historically uh, to, to the beginnings of a lot of the so-called openness and trade with China. I think this happened under Nixon. Uh, and I think it ignored the peril of working with a, an avowed communist regime and their uh, desire ultimately to undermine and, and destroy uh, the United States of America. And and yet, as a free marketer, free marketeer, um, you know, I believe in free trade as such. But what we did, did we, you know, explain to me if I'm missing this, that we exported part of the Federal Reserve's inflationary, you know, uh, money supply increasing over the years by sending over to China this stuff that then they would send us cheap goods often made from oil and plastic that, you know, really didn't have a lot of value other than, hey, we can get a lot of stuff for cheap. And then people's, uh, you know, penchant for materialism, consumerism was satiated. But again, it, it, it drew us into a, a place of, of not strength, but weakness in terms of our indebtedness to China, for instance. Yeah. Uh, when you look at Henry Kissinger and Richard Nixon's detente with China and opening up relations to China, what they failed to do is read history. Because if you study the history of China, 
you realize that it is an element of their doctrine of war to embrace their enemies as if they were allies mm -hmm. in order to identify their weaknesses and then exploit the weaknesses to reduce them in their ability to defend themselves and then to destroy them. That has been the history of China since 600 BC. This is the art of war in China. And at the very time that we opened up relations with China and Mao Zedong, Mao was saying these very same things and the doctrine remained the same. And over the years, they've attempted to do this. They built a market economy in order to provide them with the resources necessary to fight. Now, it's not a true market economy because the CCP controls every single business in China. And if a business is particularly successful and the owner of it is not completely co-opted by the party, they off the owner and the party takes over the operation. So it's a, totally under their control. And so what we stupidly did was open our marketplace to China to dump products that are heavily subsidized in a communist plan to destroy domestic markets in favor of their own manufacturing. And that allowing that to happen over the years has caused us to be heavily dependent now right. on everything from drugs made in China to uh, all sorts of commercial products, industrial products. And this has to change because I'm telling you, the amount of money we are pouring into the Chinese economy which is then being usurped by the Chinese government for defense spending means that they will triple their the size of their military over the next few years mm -hmm. while we have the inability because of our own uh, reduction of our economy and destruction of the fossil fuel industry mm -hmm. to finance our own self-defense. So this has to radically change and soon so that we can protect our interests. Otherwise they're going to gobble up the planet and we're going to be looking at a situation where if we wanted a market, it's not going to be open to us unless they dictate the terms. Yeah. When we look at history, Jonathan, and I, and I know you're a student of history, as I uh, attempt to be over the years. It was actually after I left government indoctrination centers, public schools, and even at university level, I had to unlearn a lot of garbage to learn what I know about history. They stopped. You know, we actually had some level of, of history taught to us when I was in school uh, back in the 70s and 80s. But now it's become such a woke uh, mentality. It's programming, you know, to the uh, worshipfulness of government rather than acknowledging our founders vision and saying, hey, we've got to limit government because that will steal or usurp liberty. Uh, but if we look at the history of all wars, we would argue, I think it's been argued that all wars are economic wars, even if uh, they're proclaimed to be wars of religion or wars of something else. It really is about how do we access these natural resources that facilitate the ability to sustain yourself or grow in the case of, you know, the history of the world uh, with various dominant uh, empires over the over the eons. And so if we look at the weakening of America through stupid decisions, like I said, opening up this uh, trade with China that could be arguable in a, well, a free market trade, free trade. And look, I get that. But at the cost of weakening your nation and recognizing, as you pointed out, that which Nixon and Kissinger failed to acknowledge, or maybe there was another nefarious scheme, that they utilize the economic benefits that we granted to them not to free trade and benefit everybody benefits equally but to 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 weaken us as a nation and we participate then in our own demise 
if we don't have the wisdom of, of, of the knowledge of history like you do, like others have warned us. Yeah, uh, this is an enemy of the United States. You know, you don't just imagine if in World War II, we opened up commerce with uh, Nazi Germany in a way that would have benefited Nazi Germany to the, ex the expense of our ability to produce the war munitions necessary to fight Nazi Germany. Now, just about everyone would agree that would have been insane. If we were unable to arm ourselves and pursue a war against Nazi Germany in Europe, uh, because we had a, a economic relationship with our enemy that benefited our enemy vastly more than it did ourselves. That is the very epitome of not only profound stupidity, but also an assurance of your destruction. That is the relationship we have now with China. We are giving China huge sums of money to pay for windmills and solar panels and all manner of goods and services which are coming at the expense of domestic manufacturing. We're killing domestic manufacturing by making oil and gas so expensive and by also regulating the heck out of the industries in this country so that they can't compete and they can't produce goods and services economically. We even have an anti-technology movement afoot in this country so that if you wanted to have an automated plant reduce the most expensive factor in production, which is labor, and compete directly with the Chinese in, in areas where they would otherwise be incapable of competing because of the cost of American labor versus slave labor, Uyghur labor, mm -hmm. and uh, you know the, the people that are in concentration camps that are doing labor in China right. and around the world. Um, that's obviously, we can't compete with that because we don't enslave people, nor would that ever be acceptable here. But we can use robots, we can use technology, we can produce goods and services in competition with them for cheaper than they do, simply by outwitting them and making tax policy that encourages domestic manufacturing. We don't have to have, you know what a national security risk it is for almost all of our drugs to be made in China? I mean, if they want to instantaneously kill us, they unleash a bioweapon into our society and then cut off all of the means to uh, support ourselves, leaving us with huge deficits of, um, you know, inadequate supplies of the basic things necessary to fight disease. That's, that's what we have to realize. It's a national security imperative that we restore domestic manufacturing, that we have cheap, affordable gas and oil, and that we have a economy that is energy independent and that is capable of being an energy exporter mm -hmm. so that we can uh, capitalize on the relationship with Europe and have liquefied natural gas delivered there in place of Russian right. oil gas. Look at the policy that has led to a, you know, despite the Ukraine, uh, you know, distraction, uh, the strengthening of Russia ultimately in, 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 in strengthening their, uh, let's say, convenient relationship with China. I don't think China is a, a big well, fan of Russia either, but you know, look what's happening. We've got China, we have Iran and we have Russia now working very closely together on global initiatives to replace the United States. We've got a strong effort by China to replace the, the international reserve currency, which is the dollar now with the Chinese dollar. And they're using that coercive force of, on the one hand, the belts and mortar or whatever it was called, bricks and mortar mm -hmm. uh, policy that they have where they are going in, 
making labor and money cheaply available to construct infrastructure, and then holding countries that are third world countries hostage, and then exploiting that relationship so they can acquire a foothold, both ports and also access to resources, and then ultimately control over their economies. And this is all to push out any American influence. And this is spreading through Southeast Asia and Africa and the Middle East. And we are watching very quickly a, a massive coalition being formed against the United States. And if we're stupid, we're just going to ignore that. Mm. But if we're smart, we're going to realize that economic power is the greatest antidote and pushing free markets such that we have available to Europe a liquefied natural gas. And we make sure that we have opening up markets and closer relationships with countries to ensure open markets so that they can benefit and we can benefit. Mm -hmm. They can benefit in an environment of freedom and free enterprise, as opposed to an environment of China controlled markets and totalitarianism. I mean, talk uh, to the people in Hong Kong. Um, this is the fate of the world if we don't stand up for free markets and individual liberty. And instead, what we have is an administration that is adopting the very same policies that are used in China mm -hmm. against this whole ESG thing. Well, it's a managed economy, of course. And, and you know, instead right. of incentivizing people to innovate, they incentivize you to bow down to the state or the globalist state beyond the state. Uh, to be uh, aligned with a, uh, you know, what they call equity agenda, which has nothing to do with an equitable means by which you level a playing field and allow for real, genuine innovation and competition. We have a, a Biden administration that is all in on what they call a, a biotech agribusiness, which in a free market might exist, but certainly not like it's been subsidized to this point where they're all in on even now we're seeing uh, evidence of intent to inject mRNA technology, gene therapy technology into animals, into right. pigs, into cows, and there's no informed consent. And yet there's a blind spot among many Republicans here where they're pro-business, not realizing the business they're promoting wouldn't exist, maybe not like it does today in a true free market. And then let me add this, Jonathan, it, in, it, it initiates even more money flowing into the pharmaceutical industrial complex, which only subsists by keeping us sick and managing our sickness. So there's not a promotion of healthy food. Well, I mean, the whole, the FDA has long been a captive of the drug industry and the whole idea. I mean, how many times do we need examples of government bureaucracy failing to function and failing to provide any assistance except to the very industries they're supposed to regulate? How many times do we need to see that before we realize that the gross expansion of the regulatory state to the point where it now where it makes three quarters of all law is an absolute uh, tax on freedom and also on innovation and on the growth of our economy. Mm -hmm. Do you realize if we were to obliterate the regulatory state, which would be a nice thing, we would have the greatest economic boom. Do two things, cut taxes, on individuals and corporations, reduce the size and scope of the government and prevent regulations from being adopted. A moratorium on them, such as I had mentioned, which would effectively happen from the book bill I wrote for Ron Paul. Mm -hmm. um, it, then what you ha would have is an economic boom, the likes of which you've never seen in the United States. 
businesses would be coming into existence. Sure, big business would be wailing and gnashing their teeth because competition would become really very profound, mm -hmm. but costs of goods and services would go down. All of the production of goods and services, you'd have far more options than you do now in the marketplace. And you'd also have the ability to live in a $2 a gallon gas environment. You'd have an ability to buy goods and services cheaper all across the board from agricultural goods to all kinds of goods. And then what you'd also have is a market that exported, right? We'd have an export market super strong going to Europe, the rest of the world. And we would be able to bring back domestic manufacturers. I mean, all of this should be our objective to become the greatest economic power, because I'm telling you, if we uh, allow freedom to reign, we allow free markets to operate in America and we encourage people to keep their own money and not have the government bureaucrats take it and spend it either, uh, either through direct taxation or through inflation. Mm -hmm. uh, then what we're going to see is the miracle that we've always seen when we allow that, which mm -hmm. is the greatest growth, economic advancement, innovation that is possible. When you do that, our standards of living uh, raises, economic opportunity arises, people can move from lower uh, uh, paying jobs to higher jobs based on experience. There's a hunger for labor. There's a hunger for educated people in various sectors. And this results in better lifestyles for everybody. We've gone in the other direction. They crushed businesses during the pandemic. They have destroyed the ability to get money because they, of the Fed and the, and the, and the whole um, policies of this administration to crush investment in things they think are politically disadvantageous through the ESG initiatives. I mean, this whole woke environment is ruinous, right? Mm -hmm. So when we end up with getting rid of all that, you imagine the relief people will experience. You re realize the amount of money businesses will invest. Yeah. All the, the market will grow like crazy. Have and you? Will be, everybody will have a better life yeah. in states. Jonathan, on the, I know it's still early in the, in the campaign. Everybody check out emord4va.com, including upcoming events we'll mention in a moment. But the conflicts that you get up to at the higher levels of, of politics, and, and it's true in both parties, you know, with very rare exception, the need to be uh, compromise your values because people are throwing money your way. And, and I see one of the failings of uh, the modern Republican Party, as much as I would align more with their policies relative to what the Democrats have been doing, is this blind eye to corporate welfare, right? This need, as you point out, at the highest level of big business, they're going to complain if you deregulate because suddenly they don't have the advantage of having such funding or such uh, resources. They're, that they can they're buying barriers to market entry. In other right. words, it is a K Street phenomena that's common mm -hmm. that these lawyers are hired by these big companies and they go before the regulatory agencies and they submit proposals to not deregulate, but to add new regulations, which they say are needed in the public interest. And then they lobby for these things. And so you end up with these ridiculous rules that presume your guilt until you prove yourself innocent through compliance. And, and you end up with market barriers that make it possible for people to get into business and competition with the big guys. And that, so it's well worth their money to pay the army of lawyers to constantly be ginning up the rules and uh, creating these barriers to entry. That's really what it is all about. As I explained in, in my book, uh, The Rise of Tyranny, yeah. that is what uh, really brought about this massive 
uh, anti-competitive regulatory state. So when people like me, you know, when I spoke about it 15 years ago, um, people said, you know, in the, inside the regulatory community in Washington, they immediately said, uh oh, this guy is dangerous. He's going to upset the apple cart. I remember with my book, Freedom Technology and the First Amendment, where I recommended a property rights approach to replace government allocation of the spectrum, that uh, people were going nuts. I mean, the Reagan people loved it and Mark Fowler loved it and the people inside the uh, whole movement that Reagan brought in. But the regulated uh, industry that was dominated by the K Street lawyers and so on, mm -hmm. oh my goodness, you'd swear that that was the greatest sacrilege in the history of the world that someone dared invite ruination in this little scheme they have going that has been benefiting them financially for so long. So this is rot. I mean, this yeah. is these are people who are selling out their country for financial interest. And Biden is a big, big part of that universe. He grew up in it. Yeah. He profited from he it. Nothing but that. Yeah. He is shamelessly using it. Have and you yeah. So you have all these phonies. So here I am, a non-politician. I've written all these books that very clearly blast the crap out of big government. <laughs> yes. and, and then and then uh, I run for office. Well, yeah, there are a whole bunch of people in the regulated class that are going to look at me and say, you know what? I am not going to invest in that guy. And that's totally fine because I am not, like you're saying, I'm not for sale. Yeah. So the point is, if you agree with me on these things, great. Then you can invest in my campaign. If you don't, sayonara, because I'm not going to change. I am going to support the founding principles of this country. I'm not here when I'm 99 years old and ready to pass on into the next uh, element. I'm not going to look back at my life and say, oh, you know what? I uh, I was like, uh, 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 what's his name there? Reed, the former. Uh, Harry Reed. Yeah, Harry Reed. Mm -hmm. Sell out everywhere, which way in order to feather my own nest at the expense of my country. These sellout people which are numerous, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Joe Biden, uh, Tim Kaine, these people who sell out, drop their principles at a heartbeat in order to get somewhere for themselves or enhance their position in their own political party. These are the people that we all can't stand. And it's time to get the rot out of Washington. But you know what? We can't get it out unless we get in it, unfortunately. That doesn't mean we participate in it. That means we go there and get rid of it. So, you know, that's what I'm, my objective is. There, there are people who are coming into Washington, mm -hmm. not, not a lot of us, but there are people coming to Washington, not, not just to be there, but to drain the swamp and to pursue a national campaign to save our country. And that's what it's all about. Well, and we're talking about standing against, uh, you know, life time uh, politicians that have never worked in the free market for a moment, even in the Republican party that, right. that it's business as usual for them. Right. Have you had, have you run into any awkward moments there? Because running as a Republican uh, in Virginia, obviously it's going to, uh, you know, create some internal maybe conflict with those that have one view of Republicanism uh, and another. Now, my experience is what we we just had with the three city tour last week. I mean, people were just enthusiastic going, it's about time. Thank God, Jonathan, you're talking like you're talking and it's not the same old, same old. But as you go higher up and get more support for your campaign for the United States Senate in Virginia against Tim Kaine, you're inevitably going to run up against some of these career kind of focal pointed business as usual Republicans. Well, what's interesting is that because I've been so vocal about my positions and I'm very clear where I stand and I'm very specific about what I'm going to do. 
I don't get offered to go to the tea parties of these people. They don't want, they don't want to see me, Robert. <laughs> the only people who are coming around me are the, are the, and supporting me are the people who really want change. And that's totally fine. I don't want people who uh, think they're going to control me to, to have a part of my campaign. Mm -hmm. They're not going to control me. What's yeah. going to happen is I'm clearly telling the people and it's been resonating real well, as you saw, mm -hmm. I'm telling them exactly what I'm going to do and exactly what I stand for. And if they're for it, great. And they can support me. And if they're against it, then that's the future of their state. But I'll tell you, thus far, as you saw, Robert, mm -hmm. the people in Virginia are overwhelmingly supportive. And I think it's because of the sincerity of standing for individual liberty. When you stand for individual liberty, you end up opposing the mandates. You end up opposing the lockdowns. You end up opposing the open borders, which violate our rights to life, liberty, and property. And you end up standing up for free enterprise against the woke agenda and against the whole attempt to indoctrinate in the schools and to mm -hmm. transition kids and all this crazy stuff designed to destroy generations of youth. Um, so when you stand up for these things in defense of individual liberty and rights and values, uh, it, it's resonating. And I think most people, even people who are historically democratic in their voting, voting as Democrats, right. I, think, I think a good percentage of them don't want their kids indoctrinated, don't want their kids told that their genders are fluid and that they shouldn't tell their parents, but you can transition. I'm going to tell you how. Don't want our military woke and, and inadequate. Don't want our uh, um, whole environment threatened by having no restriction on people entering our country and criminals coming in and fentanyl coming in it that's resonating across the board and they don't want to be told what they have to inject into themselves or their children you know that's one of the biggest we talk about applause lines now you're not doing it for applause because you're doing it because you believe it but when you get to that discussion of like going in there and going we are going to stop all mandates at the federal level because they are unconstitutional, patently, they're playing wrong morally, ethically, and constitutionally in every which way, then people are like, I'm all in. And this is where I see a lot of Democrats that are peeling off or trying to figure out, well, where do I go? I don't even have a home in the Democrat Party. I mean, nobody wants to be a slave. No one wants to lose control over their own families, the upbringing of their kids. And I don't care what your politics are, when it comes to your own family, when you're being told by the government, you have to inject your child with something that you know is not safe for them. And if they can force you to inject that, they can force you to inject anything into your kids. I mean, before you know it, as yeah. soon as this happens already in many states, as soon as they're born, they start getting injected even in the hospital without your consent. Mm -hmm. So I'm telling you, we've got to change this if we're going to be a free people. Yeah. And if they can force you to have an injection, they can take control over your body and force you to have an injection, they can force you to do anything. Well, and you even talked about uh, those who were harmed, not just physically, but also economically, who were fired from various positions because they weren't willing to get the job, jab, so to speak, whether they be federal employees or working for the uh, military in any way, uh, and correcting that major, uh, I say, error is, a, is an understatement. Yeah, well... They were fired solely because they refused to accept the jab. That was an exercise of their conscience and they were punished for it. That was the only basis for their termination. In those instances, without question, 
every one of these institutions receives federal funding. So I'm going to introduce legislation that will make it a condition of receipt of federal funds that each of these institutions hire back everybody who is terminated based on their refusal to take the jab or who retired early from the armed services and from the, the, you know, uh, the whole, uh, police departments, fire departments, hospitals. Yeah. All those people who on basis of conscience wouldn't get the jab and were terminated. They have to get their jobs back. They have to be paid their back wages. They have to have whatever promotions they were due that were denied, given them. And we need to expunge from their personnel records, any reference whatsoever to their choice of not being vaccinated and they can't be stigmatized or mistreated. And that needs to be federal law. And I'll introduce that legislation and fight for it because this is, we did something, the government of the United States, not us, but the government of the United States violated our rights. Hmm. It has to pay for that violation. If Just you guys like want to federal court, ultimately, if you, if the federal government violates your rights, you have a right of redress against the government and what Congress needs to do in this case, because so many people were harmed who are, who are indispensable. I mean, we're talking about the military, some of our best and brightest, the people in the special forces, even. Oh, they're, they've been drummed out. Huge numbers. Yeah. And we have a, a, you know, we have a massive shortage now of critical per people inside the military. Well, we can fix that in a heartbeat by just giving back everybody the jobs that they should never have been terminated for because they refused to accept the jab. They're career military people with indispensable knowledge and they're people with, you know, extraordinary skills like in the special forces. Those people need to come back in. We need them and we should apologize to them and give them their jobs back and give them their back pay. And that will benefit us enormously from a national security perspective. Likewise, all these first responders and all these firemen and policemen. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we have a shortage all over the country of police. How's the, uh, the, the military of Russia and China doing in terms of uh, hiring the woke or making sure only the woke could be there? Obviously, it's ridiculous. Uh, I want to uh, invite you all to a number of events coming up. And if you go to emord4va.com uh, and you go to the events page, you'll see that Tuesday, the 11th of April in Williamsburg, uh, the Thursday, the 13th of April in Bethesda, uh, Maryland, just across the border there uh, from Virginia, uh, Monticello Council of Republican Women, that will happen on April 15th. Uh, on the 21st of April, RPV Advance in Richmond. Uh, there's another event coming up this 22nd of April in Matthews County, a fundraiser. And then uh, Save America in Omaha, Nebraska. For those of you not in the Virginia area, but in Nebraska of all places, you can join in with Jonathan E. Moore, and that will be Tuesday, June 13th. There'll be more added, and we'll keep you up to date. And I don't know which ones I can make it to, but, you know, Jonathan, if you need me, I'm there for you uh, also. And I'll be uh, uh, waving that flag for freedom wherever I am, including a number of events upcoming uh, April 21st, 20th and 21st, and 21st and 22nd. So Friday, Saturday coming up uh, at the San in Sandy, Utah, just outside of Salt Lake at the Mountain American Convention Center. We have a health freedom event, Be Healthy Utah, I'll be there broadcasting and lecturing and speaking. And also uh, following that will be in, there it is, up. Uh, there's an upcoming events tab on our page. Then look at this, Super Don did it, the new banner, American Health and Freedom Summit and Expo, April 28th through 30th in Nashville, Tennessee. I'll be there. Judy Mikovits will be there. Uh, Brian Hooker will be there. So many awesome folks 
another uh, guy running for a governor of Mississippi. Uh, he's also a physician, integrative physician and a freedom guy. Uh, uh, doc, Dr. Witcher of all, all people who'll be there and we'll have him on the show probably next week as well. So there's a lot of good things coming up. Then we have the advanced medicine conference in St. Louis Memorial day weekend. We got the Goody farms homestead in Southwest Missouri, the family union for the RSB show. That's all of you July 14th through 16th. As I like to say, organic pie as well. <laughs> and we'll have more events to add to the mix. Las Vegas biomed expo, uh, September 14th through 17th. And then of course the health freedom expo in October, uh, with our friends at Trinity School of Natural Health. And uh, uh, Jonathan has been a stalwart uh, uh, defender of liberty at those events as well, which we always look forward to a reunion uh, there. So there's a lot of upcoming opportunities to support this message of health, freedom, and healing liberty in addition to our weekly uh, get-togethers here for the sacred fire of liberty as well. Now, there's a number of stories here Super Don found for us, uh, including, I, I guess we have to talk about it. I'd rather not, but I mean, I think this is a ridiculous case against uh, Trump. And again, get beyond anybody's love or hatred or, or whatever of Trump and just go, all right, they got a, a former president. They bring him up on, I think, misdemeanor charges of some kind that may not even be fully uh, uh, fleshed out. And they try to make them felonies of the level uh, that he violated federal, not only state law. I, I don't know what to make of this, but I, I hear that even some on the left are going, man, this is really not a slam dunk case. It's very weak and it might end up backfiring. Yeah, this is not, uh, this is a novel case. That is to say that this has never happened before in New York history, that they have taken what are misdemeanor violations that are old. These are stale causes of action. The statute of limitations has passed, so they, they can't bring it lawfully, but they have taken all of these uh, alleged misdemeanor violations, of which really there are only two counts. They've, they've taken every single instance of advancement of one of the misdemeanors and separately charged him with it to make it 34 counts. And it is it hinges under New York law, not just on a business records uh, faux pas uh, or misleading business record, but you have to also show that it was designed, the misleading business record was designed to cover up a separate crime. Now here's where they get into big trouble. So under the sixth amendment, you are entitled to know the nature of the charges brought against you as a defendant. And in the indictment, they never explain what this separate crime is that is being covered up by the business records that Trump is uh, charged with uh, manipulating. So you end up with a question then, what am I charged for? Because the prima facie elements of the crime include cover up of another criminal activity. Now we've speculated that that other criminal activity is allegedly a violation of federal law, election law, which they say was this is a real peculiar and absolutely novel and, of course, absurd uh, notion, but that by paying hush money to Daniels and the, and the Playboy model, um, he had, what he, what he did was, a, that was a campaign donation that went unreported. Now they construe it to be that because they, they are, this is a real reach. They're saying that by keeping it quiet that he had these relations, it helped his campaign. 
Well, that's not what a campaign donation is under federal law. So when the feds looked at it, they said, no, there's no case here and they wouldn't bring it. And so here you have a state prosecutor apparently trying to argue that there was a federal law violation when the feds themselves has said there is no violation based on a hokum theory, super stretch, that somehow when you pay hush money uh, to somebody, that that hush money, when it's not involved with your campaign, but instead is related to maybe a sexual interaction or whatever in his private life, that then is a, uh, a contribute, you know, is a contribution mm -hmm. to your campaign. So it's a reach, it's a real far reach. And in fact, it's, it's, it would be impossible to uh, maintain under federal law. So you end up with this a fanciful cause of action, as I said, never should be there. What's going to happen? Well, unfortunately for him, Trump has a typical uh, Manhattan judge who is a, a very liberal chap who probably is predisposed, gave money to apparently to Hillary Clinton, right? Mm -hmm. Campaign contributions. And so he's unlikely to get a fair trial in Manhattan. He's likely to have a jury too that's far left or that hates him. And he's unlikely to get a, a fair trial. All right. On appeal though, I mean, first of all, this case should fall apart. A motion to dismiss will be filed. It should be granted, but it might not because of this judge. And if, if it goes through a trial, uh, then, and there's a judgment against him, it would be immediately appealable. Mm -hmm. and I would hope that on appeal, it would be reversed because this is not at some level of appeal, it will be reversed most likely. But this is a ridiculous case. This is clearly a what politically motivated case, which um, no reasonable prosecutor would bring it. In fact, this raises profound ethical questions under the legal ethics rules. This prosecutor, Alvin Bragg, should be brought up on ethics charges himself uh, because of bringing this case without a foundation. Uh, that's why everybody's waiting for him to explain what is the, you know, you, you, you say there are these misdemeanor um, business records violations for which there's no, you know, sentence in jail. Why, why are you then turning it into a crime? And if you are turning it into a crime and it's based on a cover-up of another illegal activity, why didn't you reveal what that other illegal activity is? Why are you withholding that? And you know, it's under the sixth amendment, Trump at the time of his indictment is entitled to know the charges brought against him. He has not been given that. He does not know from the prosecutor to this day what the other criminal charge is that yeah. this is supposedly covering up. So the procedural uh, prosecution should be falling apart based on those violations. Yeah, and I think the Sixth Amendment problem, actually, you could possibly file a petition in federal court against the state action because of the violation of your Sixth Amendment rights under the federal constitution. Hmm. Um, that's, a, that's something I'd have to research to find out for sure. But this Sixth Amendment problem is real. Yeah. If, you, if you are not, how can he possibly defend himself without knowing what the underlying criminality is that they're charging him with? Particularly when their whole case for a criminal case hinges on that criminal cover-up that they're alleging. And I, I speculated as to what it is, mm -hmm. the violation of federal election law that they're trying to, to argue exists, even though the federal 
authorities have said no federal election law violation occurred. But wouldn't they have to prosecute them in federal court, not state court for that? Yeah, you get these jurisdictional problems. The feds made the determination there was no case. Well, that's that's a resolution of the federal issue in Trump's favor. That's that that means it's not actionable in the state action. So, I mean, his whole thing is uh, Alvin Bragg is a commie. Wow. He's, he's a Soros-backed prosecutor who won't prosecute crime. He's an anti-incarceration prosecutor. So here he's letting murderers, rapists, uh, thieves, drug dealers off with lenient sentences. That's why we have all the muggings and and uh, assaults on the subways and all this drug trafficking in the streets and everything in New York because he's not prosecuting these people. So here he doesn't prosecute crimes that are threatening people and their lives and their property but he does engage in a political prosecution of Donald Trump. Takes the resources of his whole department and all their energy to go after Donald Trump, but doesn't do doesn't spend a lick of it to actually put people in jail who are killing people, robbing them, murdering them, assaulting. Speaking of uh, robbing and murdering and assaulting, how about the World Health Organization? How about the CDC and the FDA? Why do I say that? Well, there's a, a Defender article by uh, through the Brownstein Institute, uh, Brownstone Institute, I apologize, uh, by David Bell. Uh, no relation, but he says, six reasons legislators should reject the WHO's pandemic proposals. And the international community can benefit, according to the subheadline, from coordination and health, but it would be reckless to entrust the role to an organization that clearly serves the interests of corporations and a few powerful individuals. Now, that's why I, I kind of mirrored not just the WHO, Jonathan, but we know our own oligarchy, our own alphabet soup agencies play the same role, maybe on a national or federal level that the WHO plays on a globalist level. So there's a lot of uh, kind of mirroring the same behavior, whether we turn it over to the who or not, we still got to deal with our own oligarchy. Look, what they're talking about is a direct threat to individual liberty in this country. You have a right to a doctor-patient relationship, to the independent professional advice of a, of a healthcare practitioner that wants to see you, uh, and you want to pay for it. But it, when, you in, when you introduce to this equation, not only the ridiculous intrusion that comes from Medicare into your doctor-patient relationship with standards of care that restricts severely the freedom of uh, choice of your doctor as to how to treat you, which is disastrous and hurting us. Now they're going to have an international organization through the CDC uh, reach your doctor-patient relationship on anything characterized by the federal government as a medical emergency, whether it's COVID or anything else. Mm -hmm. And this will destroy the relationship further, and it will also bureaucratize doctors further but they will become servants of an agenda set by a the director of WHO who is an authoritarian. I mean, he's a, he, he loved being a, uh, a top official in a dictatorship, and he has been the handmaiden of Xi Jinping uh, and has advocated the forced lockdowns and entire procedures adopted by China. In fact, he celebrated those procedures, said it was the way to go, Basically, denying people freedom uh, is his answer to disease. Did I lose you, Robert? I think his internet uh, went out. Robert has is lost in space. You know what? He kind of looks like that old uh, series right there, that picture you have captured of him there, Lost in Space. Lost in Space, yeah. yes. Like the doctor, what was his name? 
The one who was oh, uh, great actor. I can't remember what his name was in the, yeah. in, the in the movie or in the show. Yeah, yeah. It's too bad. I I hope Robert's all right. They, the WHL may have absconded with Robert. <laughs> all right. I think he's going to attempt to reconnect here. Just a second here. All right, Smith. There it is. One of your one of your listeners, um, Diana Case Mayer. Thank you so much, Diana Smith. Remember? Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. He was the the uh, danger Will Robinson. Uh, yes, danger, danger robot. Will, danger Will Robinson. Yes. Right, what, was the, what was the robot's name? Oh, I can't remember. Gosh, that was so long ago. Bobby or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then they then they did a reboot of it. I uh, made a movie out of it. Well, as, as a matter of fact, while we're talking about this, let me get back to the noodles. My son, many years ago. Yes. It has never been opened. And here we have that robot. See, there he is. Look at that. Look at that. That is classic stuff. Yeah. Pretty cool, huh? Absolutely. That and my old Pee Wee Herman doll. Remember that? Of course I remember Pee Wee Herman. Pee Wee, Her Pee -wee Herman was a part of my, my childhood. Someone sent me a Pee Wee Herman doll one time, and I have it. It no longer speaks. But um, anyway. I think it was meant as a slight insult by a competing attorney. <laughs> beat him. So you're yeah. saying there was a, there was a, a message behind the Pee Wee Herman doll there. So yeah, yeah. So there's Robert. Look, he's back. Nice. We, hey, WHO took you, Robert. I, yeah, I think uh, Tedros is not happy with me uh, bringing up those questions. But you know, just as a uh, you know, to reiterate one element of of you know when we look at foreign and domestic issues that our own country is engaged in similar behavior, our own government and these agencies that you've done battle with for your entire career are playing the same role, except it's even worse when it's made external to us because we have no uh, recourse in a sense with what Biden intends to do if he hasn't done already and turned turning over any lack, any le semblance of so sovereignty left of our nation to the WHO. Well, this is what happened with the European, with Britain and the European Union. This is what Robert Verkirk dealt with, Dr. Verkirk dealt with in, in England. I mean, you had people who would, for years, had used herbal remedies that they're familiar with in their own region of England. And uh, then all of a sudden, you've got this international body um, that, you know, is part of the European Union Food Safety Authority. They issue edicts that you can't use any tincture or any herbal remedy unless it's approved by them. And then they find all these things that people had used historically in England to be unapproved. And people in England are trying to buy it in the market and then it's taken off the market. And so then they no longer have access to it. And they're beholden to that the European authorities. And companies, Dr. Verkirk was explaining to me, so companies in England that would market these things would be brought up on charges that would, and they would have to appear in European courts in, in either Belgium or Germany, not in England. So they would go into an English court. The case would be dismissed in favor of prosecution by the European union. So, I mean, there's a lot of danger. This is a massive slippery slope. You go down this movement towards it, towards divesting yourself of sovereignty and giving it to an international body. And then that body then effectively gains greater control over the law and mm -hmm. the jurisdiction inside your country. I mean, this is nuts, but this is where they're going. And I'm telling you, we ought to be out of WHO. WHO, we not, should not be a member of WHO. We should not give them any money. 
We should be out of it completely because it's a patsy for the communist Chinese. Jonathan, you know, even as an attorney, because you've had such uh, uh, great relationships with the physicians, natural doctors, et cetera, throughout your career, that you know we have so many options, so many solutions, both medical and non-medical, both drug and non-drug, in a freedom, in a free market for healing, that we would never have succumbed to the the, the rate of death that has occurred because of the, the drug cartel mon monopoly over uh, American policies and, and laws from the federal on down to the state and local levels and turning over the constitution and destroying it by giving it to the public health agencies that go, what constitution? All I know is you have to wear a mask and get a jab. Right. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about a corporatist state where you have government colluding with big industry and dictating what the law will be. Mm-hmm forcing us to abide by it and it's in the economic interest of those big companies and it's in the political interest of those politicians and they use it to hurt everybody i mean when joe biden stood up there in a national address and said that the unvaccinated were basically the enemies were domestic enemies and that they were they were rightfully punished by his executive order which would have caused them to lose their jobs if they didn't get vaxxed and they didn't get terminated, if they were in companies of a hundred or more, I mean, that is a draconian and cruel and very, very harmful. Look, he was willing to see people. I'm talking about hundreds of thousands of people lose their jobs, their income, their ability to support their families, all on a false representation that somehow the unvaccinated posed a greater COVID threat than the vaccinated. When we all know that the vaccinated carry the disease and transmit it just as the unvaccinated do. And when we all know that by the time when he said those words, the overwhelming majority of Americans had already gotten COVID. Yeah. So they already had fulsome natural immunity. We were already starting into the uh, endemic phase. It was clearly visible and in the future. So the power grab they used to our great detriment, right? They used it for their benefit and against us. Those are not servants of the people. They're tyrants. For those of you who'd love to, like I do support Jonathan E. Morton his attempt to run, well, he's running, but to win, uh, in Virginia to become the next United States Senator from Virginia to defeat Tim Kaine, emord4va.com. Super Don, post Oula's quote there, because it's a, it's a good one. Uh, it, it may be getting a little ahead of things, but I think it's a, the spirit with which she brings it is great. Oula says, why doesn't Jonathan run for president? Wouldn't it be great to have a national representative with such integrity? Well, yes, but let's get him into the United States Senate first. And you know what would be fun, and I'm going to talk about this more next hour, uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Bobby Kennedy, is uh, look looks like he set up an exploratory committee with an intent to run for the president. I would love nothing better than one day to see like a debate of, of intellectual giants in terms of their belief system and their, their integrity, like J Jonathan E. Moore versus Bobby Kennedy. And I like and respect Bobby Kennedy immensely for his stance and, and his willingness to, to live what he believes. And yet he would be engaged in the art of persuasion based on what he knows, as opposed to, you know, slime ball techniques that don't acknowledge, you know, individual freedom, things like that. And I think those were the days when you actually had, opposition parties that would engage in ideas, 
discussions and debates over ideas. That would be, you know, almost probably would all faint if that happened. They never happen. I hope it does. But Bobby Kennedy debating Joe Biden. Oh, my gosh. You know, I mean, that's an interesting uh, debate because you've got on the one hand someone who in the health freedom area has been an enormous champion of individual freedom of choice and rights. And then you've got the antithesis of that in Biden. And that is clearly going to be a point of contest. And to hear Biden try to defend himself uh, is uh, really a pathetic exercise. I don't know what they would do. Obviously, if, I mean, if, they, if he can't even answer the questions of people in the media, how is he going to stand up and explain himself in a debate? Although, yeah. I, the, you know, it, it never ceases to amaze me. I don't know what they do to him, but periodically they jazz him up and they get him going. And then like an Energizer bunny with uh, good batteries, he can function for a few minutes. I think it's an Adderall injection. That's my estimation. Uh, Something. Yeah. But yeah, to your, to your point about engaging in debate and discussion, which we're all for, uh, I long to see that you would uh, do that with, uh, uh, what's that guy, Kane, right? To see what he has to run from or try. Uh, oh, yeah. He's, he's in for it. I mean, I'm, it, here's the thing. I'm going to debate Tim Kane, mm-hmm. And uh, if he will not agree to a debate, I'm going to debate him by having a stand-in for, for uh, Kane. Yeah. Someone who will represent all the positions that he has taken and will debate vigorously probably better than he would. Right, but you're right. He's going to have a debate. That would and be fun. If much of a coward to debate me directly, well, mm-hmm. then I'm going to debate his issues. And look, it is. It, 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 this is a situation, people see through this. I mean, people, people in Virginia are well aware. I call people all day long, every day, across the state. And I'm talking to people and almost that you could, it's like a chorus. People say, that they do not like Tim Kaine, that he has not represented the people of Virginia, that he has acted against their interests. So there's a lot of dissatisfaction in what Kane regards as Caneville. Mm-hmm. And that's because of his caning of America. He has whipped America savagely mm-hmm. for his own self-interest and for the interest of uh, the Democrat Party. But he hasn't served the people of Virginia because he's violating their rights. I mean, he was all behind the lockdowns. He was all behind the mandatory jabs. Yeah. He was all, he's all behind protecting kids, transitioning even against their parents' interests. He endorsed Elizabeth Guzman, who introduced that awful bill in the General Assembly that would have made it a felony for parents to try to dissuade their own children from transitioning. He's done nothing to stop the sexualization of youth in our, in our schools. He did nothing to stop Biden with that ignominious retreat from Afghanistan. He's done nothing to stop the woke agenda in the military. In fact, he supports it. His own wife brought CRT to Virginia. Yeah, he opposed the ending of the uh, COVID emergency just last week. Yeah, just last week. He wouldn't favor the, the bill from the House that would have immediately ended the COVID emergency, saying that, oh, another month. Now, something may happen. You never know. Yeah, we'll we'll that power, Jonathan Emord will uh, displace him uh, in the coming election for the United States Senate in Virginia. Y'all support him. Emord4VA.com. This is why we do the Sacred Fire of Liberty each and every week here with Jonathan Emord on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Thank you, my brother. Yes, sir. And, and uh, let's see. Steve McCaffrey said the robot in Lost in Space was just called the robot. Didn't have any other name. So we want to make that correction. Okay. Thank you. Don, uh, Don and I talked about Lost in Space. We thought that you uh, looked sort of like the uh, Mr. Smith. 
the scientist. Dr. Yeah, you missed out. While I you were gone, out. we were talking about Lost in Space and Pee Wee Herman, and you came back in and immediately launched right back into the World Health Organization. I'm was, sorry. I'm like taking I got whiplash. Yeah. Sorry, dude. Well, thank you for covering <laughs> for me as I got disconnected by the World Health Organization. Jonathan Emord, my brother, love to you and your whole family. I had such a great time hanging out with everybody and the kids, too, uh, and look forward to the next opportunity when we get together in support of your candidacy. Yes, sir, Robert. More fun to come, my boy. All right, Jonathan Emord and more. We've got a whole other hour of broadcast healing, some uh, great, powerful, empowering stories and some in intrigue in terms of uh, our guest uh, next hour. And uh, I'm telling you, man, there's stuff that's going on on this planet. It's amazing. But uh, we are here. We are made for such a time as these. Uh, Michaeline Risley, also known as Mike, is joining us next hour to share her story, what, what she's been through, and it's pretty impressive. And I can't wait to learn about it and learn about her. So stand by for that and a whole lot more. Remember, on the Robert Scott Bell Show, the power to heal, even politically, is yours. This just into CNN. Anti-vaccine quack Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has filed paperwork with the Federal Election Commission to run for president as a Democrat. In launching his presidential bid, Kennedy is the latest in a long line of family members to enter politics. Uh, so far, only Marion Wil Williamson, who last month launched her second long shot campaign, has entered the Democratic primary against Biden. Kennedy is such a health care menace. In 2019, even his cousins wrote an op-ed criticizing his anti-science views on life-saving. Oh, and, and his cousins aren't quacks, too? Uh, what the hell was that? Jake Tapper of CNN announcing uh, Bobby Kennedy's intent to run for president of the United States, and he introduces them as an anti-vaccine quack. Is there any reason why we have no trust in what's known as the mainstream legacy media, least of all CNN. How does that get by the, the brass at CNN? Yes, let's introduce this uh, a bit of news. The nephew of President John F. Kennedy is deciding to run for president, which is a significant story in the history of America, that family, the Kennedy family. And he's introduced as an anti-vaccine quack and a health care menace. A health care menace? And of course... Going for the credible commentary, his cousins said so. His cousins said so. I, and that's not the only one that's done that. I've, I've been watching some of the mainstream uh, news outlets from Associated Propaganda on down uh, announcing Bobby Kennedy's intent to maybe run for the United States uh, presidency. And it's all about his stance against vaccines. Nothing about his great environmental work. Nothing about his integrity, his willingness to put his money where his mouth is, much less his entire life's efforts in defending the environment against uh, corporate and even government polluters. As he's acknowledged uh, in many times over the years, uh, because of his experience and his learning, his cap capacity for learning, that the injection of a toxic poison like mercury into the arms of innocent babies and children is also a fundamental violation of the environment, albeit a child's internal environment, much less anybody else's, that he stood up and said, along with the moms that were, were speaking to him, hey, 
you, you speak about mercury. Do you know that they're injecting this stuff? And now, of course, aluminum and everything else. So the announcement goes this way. Anti-vaccine quack, Bobby Kennedy. You know, we were talking with Jonathan Emord briefly about, you know, what it would be like to have a, a debate, you know, men of integrity or woman for that matter, uh, that know a bit about the constitution, individual liberty, and might have differences of uh, perspective on that to have an intellectual discussion or debate would be a wonderful, healthy thing. Although I think a lot of people would faint and pass out if it happened because it's so un unbelievable, unreal. It hasn't happened in so long. And uh, I, I'm encouraged by uh, Bobby starting to run in the Democrat party because they have not had a disruptor in my memory since I don't know if Dennis Kucinich was considered a disruptor at the time, certainly not Bernie Sanders an avowed socialist, but I mean, what Kucinich was, was, was someone who said, Hey, stop all of these foreign wars. And even the Democrat party has become more neocon than the neocons of the early two thousands when the Republicans were there. And so you wonder, is there a, is there a, a, an opposition party in America? The Republicans have seemingly had a little bit more uh, pushback against unwarranted uh, wars overseas without uh, declarations of wars. But, you know, the history and track record of both parties in the 20th century after World War II is, is an abject, uh, uh, you know, abjectly miserable as, you know, various uh, authorizations of use of force, but not going to the people's house for the ultimate, uh, you know, severe, since, uh, you know, declaration of war, which commits all the efforts of a nation to defeat an enemy due to a mortal threat of some kind. And that, again, has not happened and is not happening today. Uh, yet uh, the Democrat Party has not had a disruptor that I'm aware of. Maybe somebody can remind me of someone I, I missed out on. You know, the Republicans had Ross Perot in the, in the 90s. And then, of course, uh, Ron Paul came up through, uh, you know, the early, the 2008-2012 election, although he ran as a libertarian prior to that. Uh, someone who said, you know, I'm going to hold their feet to the fire on the Constitution. So I'm fascinated by this journey to see what happens for those disaffected Democrats uh, to support someone like Bobby Kennedy and maybe maybe some Republicans that, you know, can't stand Trump or who knows who will that nominee be? You know, if it's DeSantis, I have no idea what's going to happen there. But I know that he's a man of integrity, uh, Bobby Kennedy. And he even acknowledged, you know, some of the things that Ron Paul was saying all those years ago. By the way, Ron Paul has endorsed Jonathan Emord for the United States Senate. As, as has Barry Goldwater Jr. But in the case of uh, environmental um, disasters, Ron Paul's argument was defend private property. Many leftists, maybe even well-intentioned leftists that want to protect the environment, unfortunately still have not seen the writing on the historical wall to this point that the EPA is a captured agency, as is every regulatory agency at the federal level. And therefore, it protects the polluters. It protects those uh, economic interests of those multinational corporations with no allegiance to any nation or state, least of all your state of health. And because the EPA precludes private property rights in many cases, in fact, will run roughshod over your property should you have uh, a temporary puddle that, 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 you know, in the rainy season appears there and you want to build something, they say, no, that's now a wetland, a declared wetland. And you, know, you no longer have the ability to determine what happens on your private property. But in defense of private property rights, if somebody took their private property and utilized it in a way that violated or poisoned the property of someone adjacent or somewhere nearby, there could be a tort action to stop and make and hold accountable 
someone who violated the rights of others with the EPA, with the FDA, et cetera. There's no defense of private property. It's defense of the, not rights, because artificial creations of the state have no rights. These corporations are granted privileges, but they often dominate their creator, government, because of the money flowing in to capture those agencies and or feed uh, or line the pockets of those that serve at the higher uh, levels of those agencies. And that goes into the revolving door of industry and regulation or regulators like FDA and industry, CDC and industry, EPA and industry, et cetera. Uh, so Bobby Kennedy may be running for the United States president. He's filed paperwork there. Super Don, what do you think? I mean, there is one article, Breitbart actually writes something and doesn't call him an anti-vaccine quack as it announced. It's a news headline, right? Amazing. There's yeah. a news headline. It's telling you the news, Robert mm-hmm. F. Kennedy Jr. to challenge Joe Biden in 2024. Hey. I wow. like the news. Now, That's guess what? Cool. I can read this and mm-hmm. I can form my own opinion yeah. rather than have a Jake Tapper tell me that RFK Jr., the anti-vaccine quack. Wow. Yeah. I, I, it took me a minute uh, after I saw that to kind of like See, wrap, my, is- wrap my head around what I just heard. Really? Yeah. This is You're telling me the news? You're telling me your opinion, Jake Tapper. Yeah. That, that's, that's not the news. And, and I mean, not- just... May not be his opinion. It's the opinion of uh, whoever the editorial staff. Here, write this, say this. Since since when do we not get opinion in any mainstream news show anymore? The days of Walter Cronkite are long past. But you know what, Robert? What? You know, here's the reason why uh, we get things like that from Jake Tapper. You remember this? Is brought to you by Pfizer. CBS Health Watch, sponsored by Pfizer. Anderson Cooper 360. Brought to you by Pfizer. ABC News Nightline. Brought to you by Pfizer. Making a difference. Brought to you by Pfizer. CNN Tonight. (laughs) Brought to you by Pfizer. Early start. Brought to you by Pfizer. Friday night on Aaron Burnett out front. Brought to you by Pfizer. This week with George Stephanopoulos is brought to you by Pfizer. This weather report brought to you by Pfizer. Today's countdown to the royal wedding is brought to you by Pfizer. And now a CBS Sports update brought to you by Pfizer. Meet the press. Data download. Brought to you by Pfizer. This portion of CBS This Morning sponsored by Pfizer. On how to find the hidden sugars in the American family diet. Sponsored by Pfizer. Drop the mic, y'all. That's clarity. Welcome back to the Robert Scott Bell Show, not Not brought to you by by Pfizer. Exactly, which is why we've been banned on so many outlets, still banned on YouTube and Spotify and LinkedIn. And uh, we'll get into a story about how the WHO should be banned on all those uh, uh, outlets too. But uh, that's another story for another moment in our show. Now, there are people who've been on this planet and had incredible journeys, incredible stories to tell. We've learned of one such individual uh, through our friends, Laban and Anna Ditchburn, who have, uh, you know, always connected with good people, connected us with good people. And I think Kevin helped to coordinate this as well uh, in terms of uh, things like working against human trafficking. Obviously, that's a dangerous thing to do because there's a lot of money and power associated with human trafficking. And, you know, you can take your life into your own hands if you try to work against that or other things, even if you're on the right side of the present contemporary history in stopping the enslavement of humans of all ages. And um, this woman, Michaeline Risley, she has a website, uh, michaeline.com, and it's it's linked up in the show notes today at robertscatbell.com. It's spelled M-I-C-H-E-A-L-E-N-E.com. Uh, 
Uh, she even has a Wikipedia page. I asked her about that. It's like, did you, why do you have a Wikipedia page? Most of the times they, they kind of alter them. If you're a good person, I don't know what they've done there. Hopefully it's not. And there's something called imbibe lifestyle that she's working on. Uh, but let's welcome, uh, Michael and Risley to the Robert Scott Bell show and learn a bit about her backstory, including being imprisoned in Zimbabwe. Good <laughs> Mike, welcome. Hi, Robert. Nice. Thank you for having me. Oh, well, I'm glad to have you on board. And, and anytime we get, uh, you know, a heads up from our friends, the ditch burns, Lovely couple are in India right now doing amazing work. Uh, I pay attention to that. And uh, they, they spoke very highly of you. And, uh, you know, this is, for me, also a, a human interest story of, of extraordinary proportions because of what you've lived in your life and what we could learn from what you've lived as well uh, to, uh, to, to know things we didn't know and then do better because of it. <clears throat> yes. So you want me to tell you the story of what happened? I am I'm greatly intrigued by the details. We only know the surface superficial about what happened. I'm like, whoa, there's got to be so much behind this. Well, so I've spent many years working on human rights issues, primarily rape abuse and human trafficking. And I've always used films or books to create social change. And so years back, um, I had a friend who taught a gender women and gender studies at Stanford that I met. And she said, come to San Francisco and hear this woman speak. And this is a born and raised Zimbabwean, Betty McConey. She said, come hear her speak and you gotta go to Africa and tell her story. And I said, I'm not going to Africa. I always get parasites, I'm not going. So I called the place that was selling tickets for the event and I ended up, this woman answered the phone who was head of African affairs. And she said, God, this is so odd. I never answer the phone. Hmm. So the next thing I know, I'm having breakfast with Betty McConey, the speaker. And both of us had uh, a shared history of child sexual abuse. And uh, we, we connected so deeply that I, I left that breakfast promising her that I'd come to Zimbabwe and tell her story. Wow. And of course, I go out, go home and Google, where is Zimbabwe? I had no idea where I was going. <clears throat> but in many parts of the world, men are counseled if they rape a virgin, they'll cure their AIDS. And I just couldn't imagine it was true. Like, come on. And unfortunately, it is. And so I went over to tell Betty's story. Um, she became a top 10 CNN hero. And I always tease her. I go, wait, you got a top 10 CNN hero award, and I got thrown in prison in Zimbabwe. Like, mm, that doesn't <laughs> seem fair. <laughs> right. Now, what, what year was this that you went to Zimbabwe to tell that story? 2007. We went. This was where, where is that in the, the history of the Zimbabwe dollar when you know talk about inflationary spirals when it went to trillion dollar notes and things? That's right then. I mean, literally, to go get a cup of coffee, you had to have a shopping bag full of money. Right. Yeah. So it was a, an incredibly crazy time, um, very tumultuous, uh, lots of voting inaccuracies. It was crazy. And so I was, I, I think I was incredibly naive. You mentioned earlier that when you think you're on the right side of an issue, you think you're protected and you're not. Yeah, you so, have to be you have to be so cautious when you're right, especially because of all those invested in 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 keeping the wrong, you know, protected, if you will. And and, and in, in terms of human trafficking, a slavery issues, yeah. so many of these global issues that play out in various locales around the world and certain areas where they're, they're stronger and protected because of the chaos in a given environment, perhaps, uh, it is very risky to be right in a situation like that. Well, and you think about it. So if you take guns and drugs, there's more money made in human trafficking per year 
than both combined. Actually, there's more money made in human trafficking per year than human beings on the planet. Mm -hmm. That's how big it is. So I got in trouble. <laughs> um, Mugabe did not want me to finish my film. Uh, so they threw me into their prison system there. Turns out I was very lucky. I got out by a guy I met on Facebook who had a friend at the CIA. Wow. So we, my assistant and I uh, literally got on the plane and we carried the film back on the plane, which is, as you know, if Mugabe didn't want you to release a film, the last thing you're going to get is your footage. Yeah. So what happened is I came home and unbeknownst to a few years later, Mugabe sent his thugs back here to hurt me a couple of times. Mm. And so I finally, after the second um, incident, I, I called the sheriff's office and I said, you know, sheriff, what are the chances you get electrocuted twice in a lifetime? And he said, mm, about nil, I'm going to send a deputy over. And then it went, okay, wait a minute. And I started to look at all the documentaries I was working on and they were all kind of edgy. Mm. So I stopped. Okay, so I went quiet for a while. Fast forward about four years ago, maybe four and a half, I got hired by the two lawyers who represented the Larry Nassar victims. Mm. You remember that story? So refresh everybody. I don't want to assume everybody does. Go ahead. Larry Nassar was the U.S. Olympic doctor who molested a number of Olympic athletes. Yeah. Um, and he had done it at Michigan State for over 30 years. And so... Um, they had hired me to write this, and I brought in the uh, team that I used to work with when I worked at Amblin, which is Steven Spielberg's company. And <clears throat> I had volunteered to do a human trafficking event in Silicon Valley. So that was on a Sunday. I was coming back from Seattle, and my lift vehicle got hijacked by human traffickers. So they had me in the car for 40 minutes, uh, threatening me. And I was very lucky because depending on who you asked, we had to deal with the FBI and the CIA. The FBI said, no, 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 they were trying to scare you. And they did, trust me. Yeah. Um, and then the CIA cleared person who helped me said, no, they were, um, you were the guy's first kill and he got scared and you got lucky. Wow. Yeah. I, that's a, to me, that's a divine intervention scenario. Like, oh, how do you explain it? Yeah. So I went off the grid for about a month. Uh, under uh, speaking of divine intervention, I had to have a sense of humor. I, I went off the grid as Mary Magdalene. <laughs> <laughs> and then I came back and I, I don't do on the ground work anymore. Mm -hmm. But I got very, very sick from that. Sure. Um, and going through the Western medicine. So I, I got, uh, when I came back, I, my body started tremoring. And then I had, you know, lots of issues and would this fall under the, the, the PTSD or something even worse? Well, so they, it was all falling under PTSD at first, right? right? So then I went to Stanford and they said, okay, you're going to take a pill to wake up, a pill to stay awake, and then a pill to go to sleep at night. And I'm like, I'm sorry, no friggin' way am I going to do yeah. that. And I was so sick. And so basically I had to figure out, I went through about 45 doctors to figure out how do I do this without going, you know, becoming comatose the rest of my life. Yeah. And so it turns out, had I done that route, um, I went to finally found a functional medicine doctor who is amazing. Mm. Um, but she determined that not only did I have PTSD, but I had toxic mold. Ooh, yeah. Double whammy. Uh, yeah. One, one makes the other worse by far. Yes. And so, you know what? Uh, never use the drugs. I'm healthy again. And mm. I feel incredibly grateful. But, you know, it, it's a tough thing when you go through Western medicine and there's no path. For healing. Well, and that, this is a big part of this show. You know, I grew up in 
Western pharmaceutical medicine, always knew I'd be a doctor one day. But as I uh, realized what medicine did to me in my first 19 years of life, I finally heeded my uncle's warning. He was a physician. He said, don't become a doctor. You'll be miserable. I didn't understand him at the time when I was younger. And I realized if I did to other people what doctors did to me, I would be miserable. And then it was four or five years later where answer to prayers, I met a homeopathic doctor and uh, learned something I had never learned before and transformed my health and my life and then led me into broadcast media to bring the power to heal back where it belongs with each and every one of us, you know, our divine right in healing. But again, so many people who are compassionate people and well-meaning do-gooder type people think the only way to help people is to centralize a bureaucracy to control healthcare for the people. Yet that only gives a greater gift to that same pharmaceutical industrial complex that is engaged in torturing, injuring, and killing people for profit. Right. No, I agree. And our, and we got friends on the political left. I grew up in that realm too, that don't, yet get that they haven't matured to understand it so they just go by their feelings because it feels right i'm like i'm sorry to be insensitive but screw your feelings they're going to lead to more suffering they're guiding you wrong we have to use the intellect as well and also divine i think continence as well uh through listening to something that's far wiser than any of our political leaders absolutely agree but and i think if you look at non-traditional medicines there's so many there's so much wisdom out there and we're not using it. In fact, people get penalized for using it. Correct. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's so wrong. And that's why, again, you heard a little bit of last hour. My good buddy, uh, Jonathan Nemort, has been doing battle in the courts as an attorney against the FDA when they prohibit us knowing the natural substances that can cure disease and, and also, you know, violating the rights of individuals who are trying to access that kind of treatment that's unapproved by them. And, uh, you know, so it's a unique circumstance for having him run. Uh, than other people before who I've known now oh, about 25 years. But again, I'm not, we're not here to talk politics per se. I just want to acknowledge that how we often go wrong. We misinterpret things. We feel our way through things. And I'm not against feelings. I have feelings. I'm human. But I don't let them guide me to make these decisions that lead to more destruction. Again, my human experience on this planet in my lifetime has shown me that relying on allopathic medicine in every way possible outside of surgical interventions to save your life or bullet wound repair, that kind of thing is not an intelligent thing to do, even if it feels right, because that's all, you know, right. Well, we're brainwashed. We're brainwashed in a lot of ways. I don't know if you know that I ran for office and why I'm bringing this up is because what's that? You ran against Ron Paul in 2012. (laughs) (laughs) No, actually when I ran, it was Obama in Santorum. Right. But the reason I ran is a little bit what Jonathan was talking about a little earlier is that, you know, the system is so broken. There's not a right and left on issues. There's usually about 10, 20, you know, aspects of an issue. I look at it as like a bicycle wheel. Mm-hmm. And we don't, you know, as you mentioned earlier, when you talked about uh, CNN, it's like, we don't have news anymore. The FCC fell asleep probably two decades ago, but it's affected how we, I mean, there's such a level of mistrust that when it's right and left, we don't we don't debate anything. No, no, there's not an intellectual engagement. We're all better off for that. In in, in fact, we're dissuaded from engaging intellectually because uh, we are now told that the only legitimate discourse is to cancel people whom with whom you disagree. Yeah. Like, how did where did that come that we fall that that yo know, that's the way to do? Yeah, we should all do that. Or a significant portion of the population believes that that's an appropriate thing to do. That's right. just so sad. And so I agree. And, but you can't, I mean, I live in a very progressive state and trust me, there's not a lot of dialogue happening between what we right. call the left and left. There's not. No, 
even within left and left. If you have subtle differences within the left position, yeah. like, uh-uh, sorry, not, not allowed anymore. So yeah, I'm, not either. I'm not either anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, your, your journey is such that uh, I think you're getting out a dodge and going somewhere else, but uh, <laughs> for any number of reasons, but your journey again, I mean, you know, the wisdom that you gained or gleaned through going through just some brutal experiences is fascinating to me. Uh, you know, I think about, you know, a lot of us here in this audience too have a desire to do right, you know, to correct wrongs and maybe have a, a strong sense of uh, being upset by seeing injustice happen. Mm-hmm. Yet by wanting to see justice happen, we're often put in danger ourselves, just like you to say, hey, I want to correct a wrong. This is wrong. This should not happen. And you get in and you realize, oh my God, the power structures go so deep. Like even in Hollywood, I don't know, you know, if that was true at Amblin, but I mean, certainly rumors about Hollywood and child trafficking, it's not, you know, it's not new for people to hear. So being in, entrenched in that, it's like, man, you might've seen some things there where we're unaware that are, that are going on too. I think there's certainly lots of rumors about how Hollywood and I, I've never, I don't know. I've never had that experience. I will say um, it's a toxic environment sometimes, but I, you know, I, I think you'd probably be surprised at my perspective of mm-hmm. what we need to do on these issues. Because if you look sure. at, um, I don't know if I can say names. So let me totally just say, it's what? Totally up to you, what you feel comfortable saying. So, For example, one of the uh, very successful, um, very successful Super Bowl winner. Um, I'm sorry if you're hearing my dog. Are you hearing my dog? If it's not your dog, then it's Super Don's dog. But no, that one sounds a bit deep. I think your dog could eat Super Don's dog in one bite based on the, the baritone of that. Rough, rough. <laughs> Sorry, Super Don. I'm not, I'm not encouraging that behavior, by the way. <laughs> what, what I was uh, starting to say is I think that, you know, we look at perpetrators uh, in a way that doesn't help these. I am not making excuses for perpetrators, but I think if you look at someone like a, the, the guy that I'm not going to mention his name was a big Super Bowl winner. Mm-hmm. You know, he's pretty well known for a few years ago, a number of them got busted for a traffic, for basically a trafficking ring in Florida. Mm-hmm. Is, at one point, these perpetrators were victims. And so we are not, we're not fixing this. Right. And again, don't hear right. this as he's, Yes. No, it's a, it's a cycle and it's, it's rare, but it happens that some people can make and break that cycle. And it's, it's a nice miracle to see happen. And I wish more could, but you're right in that the victims become the perpetrators become the victims. And we see that on through the generations in terms of family abuse or within church. I mean, you learn it and nobody's there to help you heal and correct it to break free of that cycle of repeating it. So I'm not saying, and you're not saying it's impossible to break the cycle. It isn't, it, it has been done. And we featured people that have done that, but boy, oh boy, it is perpetuating over millennia. This is something that is, it, you know, we cannot be, uh, let's say, pretend this is a new thing. It's not. And, it, and I spent a lot of time speaking around the country on these issues, especially when we released our last book and I would see the walking wounded everywhere. And it was so incredibly hard because you want to help everybody. And so part of my responsibility, I felt like, you know what, Mike, you did get on the other side. So you have this responsibility. Yeah. But I, I think it's, um, we have to start looking at these issues differently. Mm-hmm. So what is it that you have determined at this point that yeah. you can do to make that change or difference? I don't take it that you're any suddenly not, in, or you've changed your mind. And you're in favor of the things you fought against. It's like, whoa, I want to. I want to live <laughs> to see some change that I can do. But what other ways have you determined are better or safer in your journey to help 
and make for my family. Yes, yeah. and my friends. <laughs> yeah. So what I did is, and speaking of coming through me, what I did is I start. I wrote a TV series, mm-hmm. and basically what I wanted to do with the series is to create characters loosely based on activists around the globe who will show us how easily we can fix these issues. So human trafficking, privacy, um, climate change, they're all a big part of the series called Warriors of the Light. And so for example, let's say one of one of the characters in uh, the series is called Briggs and she rescues trafficked kids by day. And when she loses one, she tattoos their face on her body. Mm. When she goes into her warrior state, they come to life as her army and they're pissed, right? Um, yeah. And so what happens is you can easily take a character and put them in the back of a ride chair, right? And show what happens. Okay. The driver gives you a bottle of water. You are drugged, raped, and put in the U.S. market within 12 hours. You know, if they do it internationally, it's 24 hours. And so you can get past that corporate, that the lawyer, the, the line of lawyers and say, look, this isn't exactly safe and we need to fix this so that we're not putting so many people in harm's way. Mm. Does that make sense? So the whole idea is to ratchet it up at a, at a global level and and make the change. Well, and also utilizing the entertainment uh, realm for good in a sense to, to be able to communicate things that you can't go direct on. You can't editorialize on without being uh, what canceled, blacklisted or worse. Uh, And in a sense, when you fictionalize these stories, um, you know, and even the greatest science fiction, you know, over the, you know, the eons of science fiction writing has been really great commentary on what's wrong with society in a way that you couldn't directly say yet in these uh, uh, fictionalized versions, you can achieve maybe even a lot more. I remember, you know, the old Star Trek series when it began, it hit some really hot topics of the day through the space travel and their various species interactions. Uh, so yes, what you're talking about is a, a, a kind of a brilliant way to, to sneak this stuff into the consciousness. Right. I do. I'm doing it another way too. With I, I as you probably know, I'm a, a serial and ent- entrepreneur, mm-hmm. and I've done lots of startups. I built uh, the first maternity line with Adidas. So I've done it's sort of something I do, and I started a. Is that how you say it? Because we always grow up saying Adidas. It's Adidas. Yeah, <laughs> we never heard it. I mean, I've heard it in ma- many ways, but Adidas is official now. Okay. Official, and it sounds better, doesn't it? Adidas. <laughs> you sound more intelligent when you say it that way. Instantly, I've, I've gained IQ points. <laughs> so what I did is I, I figured, how can I create a product that I can actually say for every product you buy, we'll take 10 cents and take it to human trafficking and shift the way we're doing it. So I've created with two partners a pillow franchise that I'm really excited about. Um, and, and primarily because I could never find a pillow that I could sleep on after spinal surgery. And secondly, because it's a very proprietary mix and shape, and I think it's going to do well. So hence, if that does well, I'm going to be able to raise money to help change things. Right. And there was something unique, and we didn't talk in detail about it, but you can at least briefly uh, relate the chiropractic a backstory here, because in the way that you lay down on a pillow can impact blood flow, neurological flow, all of that. So Yes. So the process is called imbibation. So little known fact is that as humans, we don't get blood flow and nutrients to the spine automatically. You do it when you're in a supine position. So we have measured about 250 case studies and figured out how to get you a personal pillow that'll get you into imbibation so that blood flow and nutrients will get to the spine. Mm. 
So, and this will be part of the Imbibe Lifestyle yes, website? Yes, okay. correct. So that's we correct. have that linked up in the show notes today at robertscottbell.com if you want to learn more about uh, Michaeline and what she's doing. And I'm you know, fascinated. Again, I knew I would be uh, based on the back. <laughs> well, what, what, have, what have I not answered for you? What question do you, what burning question do you want to ask me? Well, I, all right. I'm looking at some of the, the you know, not even the Wikipedia page. I tend to stay away from Wikipedia because of all the things they've done to my friends in altering reality because they don't yeah. like them. It's just like the way they introduced Bobby Kennedy, anti-vaccine, but I, I was like, whatever happened to the human experience and in the environmental work that he's done, it's like all of that's for naught because he has a different view on vaccines than you. Yeah, and he's, he's not the only one. Work in, in the environment. Absolutely. Yeah, no, he's got great street credibility as we talk about that versus just, and, and, and even from the standpoint of an evolving uh, perspective, as I said, you know, I, if you, if you look at the environment and like we, we should have intellectual discussions and debates and scientific discussions and debates. But when you get into something like a hot topic word, like the alliteration climate change, which is not so, except there's two C's. So it's not officially that, but the idea that um, we can't have any discord or discussion about scientific uh, uh, controversy. It's like that alone shuts down the ability to address maybe real issues contained within the broader spectrum of that term or those terms are being used to batter people who disagree even slightly, if not significantly. Yeah, totally agree. And, and it does a dis disservice to humanity. Exactly. Exactly. So you've written books as well. And I think you have a, a coming soon book called the French fry kid. I, I immediately gravitated to that because I grew up on fast food, French fries, drive through. Although I was a sick kid in, uh, in my generation, one of the canary of the coal mine that's become very commonplace of the next generations, uh, the millennials and post millennials. Uh, but uh, in Gen X, you know, most of us, uh, you know, did relatively well, but I was chronically ill from the day I was born. I had to overcome things, but it was all I knew. And it was part of my, I believe, journey that I was sent here to help because, you know, the next generations were going to suffer like I did and more as a, as almost, uh, you know, a given as opposed to me being the anomaly of Gen X. Uh, so what my journey has been, yes, I've suffered, but I don't complain. Now I look back at what happened to me. In fact, I realized it happened for me to drive me to learn what I learned about natural health and healing and also to communicate this in a broadcast media sort of way. This is my 24th year broadcasting. Uh, now you also have uh, another book and that, that one's coming soon. We could talk about that too, but uh, one that's already out called, this is not the life I ordered 50 ways to keep your head above water when life keeps dragging you down. I mean, that alone is like, who wouldn't want to buy that book? Uh, that? We, we did a new version, which is now 60 ways to keep your head above water. <laughs> nice, 10 additional. Well done. Um, yeah, basically in that, in those books, we took women's stories from all over the world. And we, it, it's kind of like what you talked about with your health issues. It's like, mm -hmm. how do you turn lemon into, how, how do you turn lemons into lemonade? Right. Like, how do you, um, you know, like there was one woman we focused on in the book who literally was the first uh, cop in India. And she literally, you know, was harassed relentlessly. And she went into the worst prison in India and she taught the meditation. It became a model prison. So it's like, how do you turn that lemon into lemonades? You know, so it's kind of fun and inspiring and we have little cartoons in there so you don't get bored. <laughs> hey, I like that. So, uh, all right. So what is it about the French fry kid? I should know, because, you know, for me, I still love French fries. And we were talking before it went on the air. The French fries I eat now are certified organic potatoes fried in coconut oil or 
another form of what we call a stable saturated fat from clean organic kind of raised animals as opposed to uh, uh, vegetable oils, hydrogenated oils, all of these things, rapeseed, which is canola. And these things are devastating and, and highly inflammatory and even arguably carcinogenic uh, the way we eat fries that are not organic and, and, and fried in the wrong kind of oil. So we get trans fats, hydro, you know, all of these things. So for me, I'm not giving up totally on French fries, but I've decided to make a quality decision on how to ingest and imbibe in something I think is still so delicious. Well, and you know what? I wrote down what you said because I'm so excited that I don't have to give up French fries. But as a kid, mm-hmm. that's all I would eat. So it was literally, you know, a family would go out to dinner and have lobster and steak and I'd be like, you know, French fries. And I, you know, I think there are lots of reasons for it. But I think what, what happened is it primarily it was more of a, a way for me to suppress my emotions. So mm-hmm. it was the French fries stuffing it down. And when I got older, the, the book tells the story of how I had experimented with MDMA. And um, if you probably know this, but MDMA takes down the nerve receptors in the brain. So your memory comes out. Mm-hmm. And so then I had memories of my abuse that I had suppressed. Yeah. So, so the book is my journal as I go through it and how to get healthy. And mm-hmm. I, the whole idea was, okay, if I can share this and five people go, oh my God, here's where I am and here's where I can get to, I can get to the other side, then I've, I've done my job. Mm. Yeah, and we, you say MDMA, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that, that would be a synthesized product, is it not? And, you know, there's arguments, for instance, the banning of uh, cannabis, which they wrongly, you know, slanged as marijuana and or now these medicinal and psychotropic mushrooms yes. in microdosing are having people experience extraordinary re-pathway re- uh, generating uh, healing uh, scenarios, yet uh, they're vilified in the 20th century, largely, I believe, by industry that tended to profit as long as you don't really address the underlying cause and you're always in anxiety and so you'll need their drug forever and ever and ever. Uh, so even though I support freedom, if you will, to succeed and choose something like MDMA, there are a lot of botanicals that maybe can achieve the same or better results. Absolutely. And I, you will find, because MDMA, MDMA was taken off the market. It was about, you know, it was illegal. And now I believe it's going to come back as a pharmaceutical. You watch in the next couple of years, you're going to see MDMA as a pharmaceutical drug. Right. Right. Now, what was it? I, you know, I hear the uh, Superdon said, is it ecstasy? I, I heard one called a date rate drug. Is it associated with the MDMA that I remember? The or? ecstasy is MDMA. Okay. The date rate drug is uh, was something else. Yeah. Yeah. Or certainly different ingredients. Right. Right. But MDA, you know, MDA t- takes down the nerve receptors in your brain. So you are um, less prohibitive of speaking your truth, if that makes sense. Gotcha. You know, and things like uh, PMP or methylphenidate have been prescribed yes. for, you know, ADHD, these conditions in childhood that are really the result of uh, cytotoxins, exposures to heavy metals and all kinds of things that exa- exacerbate, you know, normal nerve activity. And, and, and what they end up doing is giving these drugs that destroy the nerves in the brain or through childhood. Is right. it that, you know, who cares what the end result will be? Look, we've got a quiet, calm child sitting down. I'm like, I remember, uh, you know, uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest and John Nichols, uh, Jack Nicholson at the end, you know, they just gave yeah. him a lobotomy, but basically we're chemically altering these children through uh, pharmaceutical drugs. Could we utilize the botanicals in a safe way in a microdosing way, almost a homeopathic way? And I would argue, yes, I've seen it done. And I've used homeopathic remedies to help children and adults with these issues as well. But again, we're never invited to the table to discuss the possibility of other pathways out of this mess. See, I think, and not only do I agree with you, but also on the food side, I mean, yeah. Food is medicine, but our food supply is so broken and tainted that it is 
It's killing yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So super Don, if you don't mind, open up your microphone and you know, I apologize for the, the, you know, the way I scared your little doggies, uh, there, uh, as we were hearing the, the lovely, uh, barking <laughs> from Mike's cat, dog, but <laughs> you know, again, I, I I'm as fascinated uh, about Mike's journey as any journey we've covered here. Uh, she's seen a lot and, uh, done a lot of good in terms of her books and the film and, 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 uh, you know, if we talk about the TV shows or whatever, um, do you have any questions or anything to add to this? Because, uh, like I said, it's it's a subject we've covered, but uh, not in all in one package like Mike's had. Yeah, I, I'm I'm just trying to digest. I mean, so much has gone on there. It, what the the yeah? I mean, I don't know. I don't even know where to start. I mean, where we where where we began and where we ended up here. It's just like wow, what a great conversation. Um, so I don't know what is it you're. What are you up to now? I mean, you've done so much. And you've left obviously just a, a you know a, 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 a huge impact on so many people with everything that you've done and the movies and the, the talks and everything like that. What what are you up to now? What is what is your thing now? So I think where I got to is so I did make a lot of money for a lot of people. So it mm -hmm. turned Sonic the Hedgehog into a billion dollar franchise. Tiger Woods on the video game side, and you know I was hired for those, so I didn't make the money, right? Mm -hmm. But I said to myself, geez. If I understand how to build IP, and I do, then I'm going to do it with Warriors of the Light so that I can use that money to create change. So I've never been focused on money, hmm. and now I'm focused on money for change. Well, it's a tool, a tool that can be utilized for good or any purpose, I guess. Uh, but also, you know, as I bring up the monetary uh, issues, you were in Zimbabwe, and you saw what happens when we talk about inflation and hyperinflation. Arguably, hmm. we're on that path. Because what else do they have but printing more money all of the time until the world rejects this dollar? And then the, the, the standard of living we've come to enjoy as Americans uh, changes radically and drastically. And I don't think we've had a, many people are alive today didn't live through the Great Depression or, of, or the crash of 1929, et cetera. So we only hear it from the, the storied books, but not from people that very rarely that live through it. Uh, so are we going to have to repeat the same mistakes and mess that others have gone through? It seems like we are. It seems like we haven't learned, mm -hmm. but it is, it is frightening. Yeah. I saw a lot in, you know, it, it's interesting, you know, how you, you have an experience and then you, something sticks in your brain that you can't get out. And I came back from Zimbabwe and I'll never forget this. Um, I live in Portola Valley, which is that sort of part of the heart of Silicon Valley. And there's a lot of wealth around here. And, um, you know, we, it's a bubble. And so um, I went with a group of friends to dinner and I, somebody ordered a baked potato. And I watched in Zimbabwe, this grandmother with two children who weren't her grandchildren walk for a day and a half to get a baked potato. Wow. And I just, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't look at a potato for six months. Mm. When I saw it, it was just like, oh my God, we have no idea, right? And at the same time, we have those same issues here that we don't really talk about. Well, like, the, the bubble you're talking about, not just in a Silicon Valley, wealthy valley, but uh, throughout the United States, even the poorest yeah. among us, for the most part, you know, have cell phones, TV yeah. and luxuries like, you know, uh, and this is uh, uh, in my lifetime, Super Don's lifetime. We've lived in luxury, even if we haven't been part of the wealthy elite, you know, even as middle class Right. Upper, lower, didn't matter. We still had access to food every day for the most part. I mean, I know there are exceptions on the on the in the, in America as well, but in general, 
We lived like kings and queens of old. We didn't have to grow our own food. We didn't have to hunt for our own food. It magically appeared at the corner grocery store. And still, uh, even with the threats to uh, supply chain disruptions that we experienced in the last three years, there's still folks that are not paying attention and saying, you know, maybe I should go back to growing food and canning food and preserving food. And, you know, just for that, those proverbial rainy days that may last more than 40 days and 40 nights. Right. Well, you know, the difference between America and so I always when I went to Africa and I saw these kids who didn't know where their next meal was coming from and they were sleeping in a little cardboard box and men were coming and abusing them and they still would get up and sing and laugh. And I feel as if in America we have a poverty of the spirit and mm. we don't you know, it's how can they be so happy with so little? Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I went to uh, uh, West Africa a couple of times, I went to Nigeria in, in Ghana, and uh, you know, there, was, there was elements of freedom in those countries. It's not, it wasn't a totalitarian dictatorship, but it was, there was incredible poverty as well, and, and, and crime. Like, you know, you didn't know when you woke up in those, in those areas if you would live through the day. So every day was a, a, a you know, thank you, I'm alive day. And yes. we, don't, we don't necessarily have that same level of appreciation for life because we just, we wake up. We assume, oh man, we got food, we got water, we got shelter. And, and so we don't have that level of, I've got to rely on something just beyond, you know, the ability to pay for something with paper, right? Yes. I got to rely that I'm going to be alive by the end of the day. I'm not going to get hacked up by bandits on the road to go wherever I'm going. And that's something that was very foreign to me as an American. And I grew up and I saw that when I went to those, those places and I had a, what I call a, a, a deeper appreciation for the absolute reliance on for, for lack of a better way to say it, divine spirit, you know, or God or some kind of guidance that would, you know, navigate me through the places where you seemingly impossible to get out of some of those experiences you've shared today. Oh, yeah. and we can pay lip service to that because we don't think we need it. Having had material abundance, you know, our needs are met. The basic needs are met. And so going to those areas where they didn't have that, there was this great appreciation for life that, uh, I don't think I had an as American that I got, oh my gosh, we don't know. We've lost our way. And I think- and you, know you ever have those, again, those moments. I remember when I was uh, being arrested in Zimbabwe and we were in the back of a pickup truck and I, I mean, I had a jean skirt on. So I was like, I don't want to climb in this pickup truck. And yeah. we got in there and we drove past the police station to the prison area and I started to get really scared. My assistant, it was, you know, sort of roughly her first job out of college. She was gorgeous, blonde, blue-eyed. I mean, one of the police was enamored with her because he'd never seen blue eyes. So I didn't have any control over what would happen. And so I remember standing in the back of that pickup, you know, as we're pulling in, and suddenly I felt a hand on my shoulder. My dad had long passed, and I could hear my dad say to me, Mike, you're going to be okay. And then my brother, who was also passed, put a hand on the other side and I could see him bend over laughing his ass off like you, you are getting stuck in a prison in Zimbabwe. And so those things kind of fed my soul in a way that kept me. Yeah. Well, and that is the, the, you know, the spiritual experience. I believe we all have the capacity to uh, have here on this planet. This is a unique planet in creation, I believe. And as much as I talk about fighting for justice as well. I recognize, like you said, there's a pattern that supersedes any one of us to think that we could stop it all, all the bad stuff happening. doesn't mean that I say I'm going to give up on trying to make things right, but recognizing that uh, we may not have to, to put ourselves in peril to do so. We have to be smart about it. But we, if we're not, 
we could end up losing our life in this lifetime on the way to try to do something right. And maybe you learn from those experiences. You come back and go, oh, maybe I'll do it a little bit differently this time. <laughs> you might even learn that within one lifetime, but I think it might take more than that. Uh, but regardless, it's, it's quite an extraordinary journey. And I'm ever grateful for this gift of life, but also right alongside that, the gift of choice. And what upsets me greater than almost anything else is when people deny or try to attempt to deny me that choice, agency, freedom. And that's why I, I continue to um, proffer these high ideals that I think is good about America. We haven't lived up to them throughout our history. I recognize that. But there is something that's essential and unique on this planet about the experiment that is the United States, even, as I say, warts and all. Where else would I rather be? Is there another country that was founded on this, you know, this, this perspective that rights come from God, not government, and that individual liberty was to be protected by government, not destroyed by it? nor that it would force you to have a religion or not have a religion, you know? And again, we are at a crisis point among many because do we embrace that or do we think freedom is too dangerous and that tyranny is better? You know, these are the things that I see happening right now. And it's scary. It's frightening to watch because you don't know what to do. If you're a doer, what do you do? How do you get involved? And at the same yeah. time, um, I think so many people are terrified. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I hope that that fear doesn't lead to uh, subjugation like they tried to do in COVID. Right. Freer free of germs led us to uh, many of us to, uh, you know, uh, do things that were homicidal or suicidal to one another or ourselves. And uh, it's probably a subject you you may not you can choose not to have this discussion. But the subjugation of women is sure incredibly uh, what's happening across the country to women is terrifying. It, it truly is. I mean, it's like, wait a minute, you can you can get mad about whether you wear a mask or not, but you still want to legislate my womb. Yeah. Well, here's an, yeah. And I don't mind getting into controversies like this, Mike. And I, I try to step back and try to see, not that I, I can see all sides of it because I'm not so wise, but I recognize that if somebody comes from a belief of like bodily autonomy, right. which is a legitimate argument, self-autonomy, self-rule, right. And I look at the, my body, my choice people that are all for, you said my womb, whatever. And yet they went after anybody who said, Hey, yeah, my body, my choice. What about not being injected, not being experimented upon. And those same people abandon what they perceive to be a principle, right? And so yeah, there's, well, there's a lot of hypocrisy there. On both sides. Yeah. Well, um, it has to be consistent. You know, it, it's it's more difficult when you're uncomfortable with mm -hmm. with that, but you still have to be consistent to. Yeah, and, you know, and also having again a, a viewpoint, compassion for those that believe that life begins at conception. Why would they perceive it such a, a, a or with such vigor and passion that they want to stop the events happening in your womb because they believe it's murder? So if you have that perception, you begin to go, all right, I understand why they feel and why they are trying to do what they're doing. You don't have to agree right. with it, but totally. the point is we can engage in discussion because we, we know, and Super Don, my producer, knows, even if we have great intellectual debates and discussions, we're still going to end up probably having differences of opinion on it. The question is, where is that line of self-autonomy, self-rule, bodily autonomy, and where does it cross the line in terms of that? I don't know we can even solve it intellectually, but I would rather be able to engage in the discussion and say, hey, let's understand where people are coming from so we have some compassion for the views rather than immediate dismissal. You're evil, you're evil, or, you know, that kind of thing. Well, and I think you have to expand the debate. So last I checked, a woman can't get pregnant on her own. And so <laughs> there, there, there are two in this mix. And I think we have to expand that conversation. Sure. What is the liability responsibility for those who engage in that and go, oh, wait, now. All right. Well, we've hit yes. probably the hottest of hot button issues among many. 
And I'm, <laughs> I am grateful for it, but I, I think we're out of time. We're over time here, Super Don. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. Yes. No, don't apologize because it means it's great. I love to engage this way, and you're welcome back anytime. Oh, uh, love you. to you know, further these conversations because I think we're better for it. Uh, and I appreciate all that you've done. Uh, can we watch this TV show you were talking about? Is it already in production or anything? No, no, we have to go, we have to go out and sell it. But I can actually give you links to both my movies, my Zimbabwe movie, if you want. Yes, please send those links to Super Don. We'll add them into the show notes for everybody. Okay, all right. Mike all right. Lane, Mike, thank God you're here with us as well. What a journey you've had. And I appreciate you sharing it with us. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We got questions of the day that we didn't get in, but I'm going to get them in in the bonus round, including one about collagen ingestion. Yeah, you don't want to miss that. Stick around. Lots more healing to go on the Robert Scott Bell Show, where the power to heal is yours. Dude, that was great. What an hour. Uh, what a couple hours, in fact, with Jonathan Ebert as well. And uh, by fast, didn't it? Really fast. And, and to end become course, a... <laughs> end on a controversy like that and go, Oh, we got to go. Oh my yeah. God. We should bring her back for, for part two. I mean, Absolutely. It was a great, great conversation. And, and, um, I, I would like to hear mm -hmm. her go more in depth because it's again, you know, like you guys were saying, it's not a topic that we talk about a lot. Yeah. Uh, it's brutal. It's a brutal topic when you start yeah. getting into, into human trafficking and, and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But it's, a, it's, I'll tell you, uh, it, it's not something that I really thought about. You know, everybody's heard about it, right? You know, oh, human trafficking. You know, there's that word, you know, comes out every once in a while. And, oh, people selling people and stuff and exploitation and, you know, yeah. terrible, terrible, terrible. And then you move on and, and you don't really think no, about it anymore because who wants to? No. But when you actually are forced, you know, or you force yourself mm -hmm. to uh, kind of take a look at that rabbit hole. Yeah. Uh, for it's, any you know, period of time, you find out that mm -hmm. not only is it a bigger problem than you realized, but it's happening around you and it happens everywhere. Oh, it's, it's not some kind of thing. Oh, well, you know, in some third world country, they're taking children oh, and, and selling. Right no, it's happening in your backyard yeah. all the time. And, and so, I mean, it's a huge problem. And the thing is, is, you know, when it, the, the reason why I think problems like this remain huge problems is because people inherently react the way that we were just talking about. They, mm -hmm. they just la, yeah, la, la, too, la, 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 la. Traumatic to consider and, and, and figure out what to do. And then even yeah. when you, you go in like Mike did to correct it, you risk your own demise in doing so there's because there's so much money powerful power. people yeah. and money and yeah. and stuff that is is uh behind all of that that's going yeah. on so yeah it, it, again it's brutal that's why i say to think that you could resolve this in one lifetime or how sucky would it be if you're born and you know you're born into that level of slavery and abuse and that's it then you die like wow did was that bad luck uh, or was that a circular, you know, experience uh, going through lifetime after lifetime to figure this thing out? Why is it? Why is it going on after millennia, millennia of this stuff? This is not yeah. like oh, it's just started happening. No, it continues the repeat, the repeat, the repeat, and it's like when do we break the cycle? And even trying to break it, I mean, James Caviezel has done a, a movie. I don't know if it came out yet about going into Mexico. He's playing a real life uh, character that went on his own when the government said don't do it, and he went into Mexico to save some of these. Uh, sexually abused kids. Mm -hmm. uh, again, these are br again brutal things, and anybody who who dares to go in there, God bless you, because it's a it's a, a treacherous place to go to save 
even if it's one child, you know, you say, well, it's worth it. And, uh, but you find out again, you do risk your life because you're threatening the power structure of the planet that is, you know, seemingly ruled by uh, demonic entities. Yet there is still God present. There is still choice and freedom and agency to, to choose better, to choose to help those that, that have been trapped in these things. And seemingly the, the, the duality of these worlds is by design apparently, because, you know, God exists and, and yet these demonic things exist in this, on this planet simultaneously. And what's the choice? Where do you uh, uh, decide to, to, to be? And, and, and can you live a life of any happiness knowing that there are people suffering like this? Cause there's that point where people will say, well, how can I be ever, ever be happy if that's kind of suffering is occurring on the same planet I'm on. And mm -hmm. so you become a warrior and you get lost in those battles. And then uh, is that what you're here to do? I don't know. I guess you have the choice to make. Is that what to do? Right. And should you feel guilty because you're, you have moments of happiness in this lifetime and yet, you know, people have been subjected to such misery and that's all they know for a lifetime. Um, you know, these are age old questions, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Um, and, and, you know, this is what drives people to spirituality and religion to try and make sense of things that don't make sense. And sometimes to, you know, achieve levels of understanding where you go, Oh, I think I see the bigger picture now of how this all fits together. It doesn't mean you are endorsing the, the, the rape and, the, and all the horrible things that are happening, but you understand the, 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 the lifetimes of experience that occur before you choose God again. It's ugly to get there. It's along the way, but maybe again, by design questions I have now Sunday show will be interesting. We have uh, uh, Steve German, pastor Steve German, who's a friend of ours through Kevin Tuttle. I met originally when I traveled to Wisconsin a couple of years back, uh, to do a tour, uh, for freedom, health freedom. And, uh, super Don had the idea. I don't know. Was this your idea? This come to you or were you talking with someone about this for our Sunday shows? Things pop into my brain every once yeah. in a while. And it's, so the idea here is that for the Sunday show, you know, we first, it was, we were playing encores and stuff and it was like, you know, people have kind of turned tuned out on, on Sundays because it's like, oh, that's, uh, that's an encore. Um, so the first change we made was, uh, no encores anymore mm -hmm. on Sundays. It's a one hour show and it's going to be, it's going to be a new show, uh, on Sunday. So Although what we send to GCN our our syndicator, right? They get, uh, you know, GCN gets a, gets a, a best of the Robert right. Scott Bell show every, yeah. every, yeah. But we have our own now Sunday broadcast, uh, and, um, you wanted to focus a little bit more spiritual discussion. I was then. thinking, you know, not to be cliche or anything, you know, you know, it's Sunday, it's, it's, it's God time. But, uh, yeah, I thought maybe we could make Sunday shows a little more on, on a spiritual, um, mm -hmm. I like topic it. or, or, or leaning anyway. And so yeah. this Sunday it will be you having a discussion with pastor Steve German, Steve and, German. And, and that's uh, Easter Sunday, uh, resurrection. Correct. Well, that is correct. Well, look forward to that. Uh, tomorrow is good Friday. Uh, of course we're in the midst of Pesach. You know what Pesach is? <laughs> Pesach. What is yes. it? Super Don, come on. Pesach. I don't, I don't know. The Jewish holiday, also known as starts. There's with only food. there's like 372 Jewish holidays. I can't really which one that one is. There are eight days of Hanukkah, but that's not what we're talking about here. Okay, what is it? Passover. Oh, why don't you just say Passover? Because I like throwing some Hebrew at you just to see how you. Read. Okay, Shlomiel. <laughs> Good uh. little little uh, uh, throw some uh, 
Well, okay, throw some things back, but uh, anyway, <laughs> you putts. Have, have a matzah on me. You, you putts. A putts. A putts? <laughs> oh man, this is getting rough here. I only know a few, but yeah. in any case, some good ones anyway. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we got uh, an encore for that best of scenario, and then uh, back Monday with uh, brand new shows as well. But again, Sunday is an all new show as well. So don't uh, think you can tune out because it's Easter weekend. It'll be a great discussion. Yeah, you can. You're just going to miss out. You're just going to miss out. You don't want to miss out on that. All right, let's uh, do some of these questions of the day we didn't get to. I still think it's worthwhile to cover them. There's some good ones coming through. If you don't mind, Super Don, get them ready. There it is. Uh, Bill is sending in, hi, collagen that has tilapia as its main ingredient. Is that good or bad? Ah, uh, tilapia. Tilapia is, is, is known as the ultimate farmed fish. I've had tilapia before. It's actually... Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah, okay. So this that's what I've heard. Yeah. That's what I've heard. So and, and I've I've you different, different people have said different things. And so I don't know who to believe on the whole tilapia thing. Because it's like what is there not to believe it's a farmed fish. But I have read yeah. that tilapia is a real fish and they're like in South America. Yes, they do exist outside of that, but I don't think anybody's bringing in wild tilapia. Okay, so I mean, you can have a wild tilapia, but yeah, that does exist. But, but what I, you buy at the grocery store is farmed tilapia. Yeah, so you got to worry about what are they feeding it, what's in it, and also uh, antibiotics, which are often used in in farm raising fish yeah. as well. So for me, that's a non-starter. Uh, but uh, is there a secondary part of the collagen thing? Why is collagen associated with this? Is that supplemental? Form uh, well, he's saying Bill is saying the collagen that has tilapia as its main ingredient mm -hmm. is that good or bad? Well, first and so, foremost, are you talking about eating it? I would assume so. A, a facial cleanser or something? I don't know. But well, listen, I have seen in the stores and I've seen online stuff like that supplements, collagen mm -hmm. supplements, where people are are eating putting it in you know swallowing collagen yeah. right and i've 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 seen mixed um messages on the whole collagen some people are like oh my goodness collagen it's great well, it's well, wonderful for you but i've also it? read that that ingesting collagen is a waste of time that because yes exactly why because you break down in stomach acid parcels of digestion this collagen this finished collagen product into its base amino acids yeah and so it's like, why do you, you why don't you eat food with those amino acids and not pay extra for collagen supplements that you eat? Yeah. That's that to me doesn't make sense. Maybe somebody has more info than I have on it, but I'm I'm with you, Super D. Makes no sense. And by the way, if you want collagen and elastin to work in your body, you know what you should be taking? Sovereign copper. Yeah. You should be getting copper in because copper facilitates the, you know, the strength, the integrity, the elasticity of all the things you're trying to do when you take for instance, collagen supplements or eat things that have high collagen now, which are going to be broken down. Does silica play a role in that as well? Silica does play a role in that as well, okay. yeah. These are con the connective tissue minerals, copper, silica, right. and uh, that engages and activates all the things like collagen and elastin. And then, of course, pigmentation issues, melanin production. You know, copper plays a role there as well. So I think that uh, Bill's asking a good question um, uh, tilapia as its main ingredient collagen. I guess if you're eating wild tilapia, it's a, it's a fish, it's a food source, but if you're taking it for its, uh, collagen, um, you know, tilapia has, has a decent, uh, omega three, uh, most, uh, a lot of know, fish I, do. omega six, yeah. I think. Uh, yeah. yeah. So find a wild source if you can, I guess. Yeah. All right. Then, uh, I heard you and your guests talking about vitamin D. I do take copper twice a day, cardio miracle once a day. 
and I'm taking between 2,000 and 5,000 IU daily. Is that too much? Uh, thank you, Bill. So international units of, of D. Now, D3. Yeah, it's a question uh, that is asked by a lot of people. And I don't have one definitive answer. I, I, You're not a fan of vitamin D. You never have been. No, because I think, you know, to produce it endogenously or to get it through food sources is, is ideal, but I'm not opposed to it totally. I realized that um, my reluctance to take D supplementation was because I felt there is so, I, and I still do feel there is so much metabolic deficiency due to other mineral deficiencies that the D that you're taking may not ever be utilized appropriately and may be stored because it's fat soluble. It's a complex hormone or steroid. It's not, uh, you know, like vitamin C that even if you take the wrong formula, you'll, you'll urinate it out or irritate your gut and you'll diarrhea it out. This is a fat soluble accumulator. So when I found out that the formulation of cardio miracle facilitated the conversion of stored D to the active state, I was like, holy tamole, they've solved it. A big issue. The, the solution is the cardio miracle. So whether you take the little bit of D that's in there, which is fine, or extra D, uh, hopefully from clean sources, not synthetic, uh, you will actually utilize the D and not go into unnecessary accumulation. You're holding the new batch, which yes. has no erythritol, yep. and it tastes great. It and, does. Uh, you guys can use the code I RSC. just finished my first bottle of the day. Nice. Yep. I think I'm going to have mine after the show today because I was so busy this morning. I didn't get a chance to uh, go work out, and I forget. My pattern is take the Cardio Miracle and go work out, which, by the way, um, happy to know, Super D, I think I'm going to win the chow, the challenge of the week this week. Oh. Yeah. And, and, you know, last week when I was able to go once in uh, Virginia last week, I, I, I would have won it with the number I did in the gym that I went to in Virginia. Yeah. But here in my home gym, I, I, I took third place last week in the challenge. Third. Beaten by, I think, it was a two women or a woman or a guy. I don't know. But anyway, and it's okay. I'm okay <laughs> Not that it matters. Not no, that it matters. Okay. I'm okay with that. But this week, you know, it's a jump rope thing, and I'm really fast with the jump rope. Right. Uh, and I can I can jump a lot. Uh, and I did cool. it twice. In fact, I warmed up, and I was like, eh, that's okay. And then uh, and after nine rounds, I did it again, and I was actually better because my muscles were warm. I wasn't too tired. So um, anyway, that was fun. But that's Cardio Miracle. Thank you, Cardio Miracle and Sovereign Copper and all the good good things I try to do to – maintain good health at this ripe old age of 50 something. Nice. You know, I forgot to tell you that last what? weekend yeah. I went to my very first, uh, MMA cage fight. You went into a cage fight. I didn't, I know did, I didn't fight, but oh. I went to one a, a, oh, a fight okay. here locally. Really? Was it like um, WWF or it's real? It was no, it's come on, man. It's yeah. MMA. MMA is not WWE. All right. Or E or F. But, yeah. but that's real, too. It just like, like Brandon the Truth Vera type of fighting. Wow. How was it? It was awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's uh, my, uh, my, my, one of my uh, adopted daughters. Uh -huh. uh, her boyfriend is an MMA fighter and oh, wow. he was fighting that night. And so we, we went to go watch and stuff. Dude, really that's cool. gotta be hard. If, if your daughter's watching your, your, her, her other half, it was the first one that she'd seen. Cause she, she's, they've been seeing each other for just a couple months, but. Oh, so it's a new thing. Did, did, yeah. how, did he get his butt kicked or did he? Kick no. Him? In fact, what it was is he, uh, they had like actual MMA, MMA fights and mm -hmm. it's like state sanctioned, you know, titles and the whole deal. Right. Um, but he did a what was called a tag team jujitsu 
uh um fight and it it was it was like uh it's i'd never seen anything like this before Mm -hmm. and you're familiar with jujitsu i'm assuming where it's it's, you know it's a grappling uh almost thing yeah Yeah. and so they they, it was two it was four people two tag teams yeah and what they would do is the one guy would get you know one guy it was it was the the how long was it It was like eight minutes long Mm -hmm. and whoever had the the total number uh the more most uh submissions oh one the team And so, you know, the one guy would get, you know, one guy down and then, and then when he tagged the other guy and the other guy would jump in and take over and stuff like wow. that. That's and he good. ended up winning. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was really cool. Yeah. Hmm. I'm into that stuff, man. It's cool. Right. Wow. And the reason why I just thought about that is because I noticed one of the guys that was uh, one of the, the fighters, something like that was walking around and he had a t-shirt on, said nine round on it. Oh, okay. So it reminded me of, you know, you were tired yeah. of nine round. Exactly. Yep. Very good. All right. I'm looking yeah. in the chat room. Our buddy Michael Bolden's there. I know people who eat tilapia because they believe it's the fish from the parable of the fish. Oh. Okay. Um, DJ Katie, I just eat connective tissue from the whole chicken or other free range animals and bone broth. And yeah. Now, is that the same? Food. If you eat connective tissue, does that help yeah, it's you with your connective tissue? It will provide the base, the basis for strengthening your connective tissue. That is true. And what would that be exactly? What are you eating specifically? Um, well, you're like, going to eat the, the vital organs, like the liver, for instance. That's connective tissue? Well, it's not only connective tissue, but she said... I, when I think connective no. tissue, I'm thinking like cartilage and tendons sure. and... Yeah, well, that's where you, if you make bone broth, you're getting that. Most okay, that. gotcha. But I think okay. it was uh, DJ Katie's second comment that I was referring to. The meat used to, meat used to be the last thing we ate from the animal carcass, right? I talked about that. The scavengers eat the meat. Those that get the first dibs, you know, the the higher ups in the uh, pecking order of the animal kingdom, the food go, chain, yeah, go for the vital organs. Uh, let's see, uh, Sunday sermon of sorts idea. Let me just. See. Oh, Diana likes the Sunday sermon of sorts idea. Yeah, we're not sermoning, but I, you know, I'm I'm engaged in that. You know, I love talking spiritual out spirituality, and well, I love to do it in a way that's respectful. Um, and I, I'll tell you, I I have between the work that I'm doing with Shemaine Nugent. Mm-hmm. And with Scott Shara, yeah, uh, there's a whole lot of that going on, <laughs> and I'm and I, you know, I mean, I'm just I'm I'm listening I mean, to it and stuff like that, and I'm just like, wow, man, there's a lot of there's a lot of people, uh, you know, we do a lot of talk about you know the health and the news and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but there, you know that that part yeah. of it, yeah, uh, you know, I, I, is not something that we we dabble in too much. Yeah. Um, and it just seems appropriate that, you know, I know a lot of the people that listen to the show, they're very faith uh, oriented and mm-hmm. um, that that's something that they, they enjoy and that they can relate to. And so I thought, well, and I, I love supporting people who love God. That's for me. Yeah. It doesn't have to be my way. Like we got the preacher and the Polish girl podcast right. with, uh, you know, Mark and, and, and Ula and uh, he's got his, uh, you know, his, He's an amazing pastor. I love him and I love Ula and what they're doing. They have a genuine heart of gold to do what they do, to minister, to help people. And they're very respectful and uh, loving people, you know, as is, uh, well, Leslie and family and hers isn't quote unquote, a religious uh, organization doing her thing with the, you know, stay at home mom podcast, but you know, very spirit focused. And, you know, these are the people I enjoy and I gravitate to. And those are what I call the family the tribe or whatever. And we all have various views on life and creation and God and all of that. But I think there's a, you know, coming together in common, you know, a love for that, even as it manifests differently in each of us or through each of us. 
Uh, so that's my slant on it when I do mm-hmm. these spirituality discussions. And you know that if I wasn't doing it that way, Super Don would not be hanging out with me. I can tell you that. <laughs> he doesn't take too kindly to the other things, nor nor would yeah. I. I like to be respectful and, yeah. and uh, you know find reasons to celebrate and, and enjoy and, and find the common ground, even in those things that can be quite divisive. I don't find them to be divisive unless others other people try to make it so. Correct. Yeah. So we had one more story here from the Brownstone Institute about the WHO guidance on shots for kids now contradicts Fauci. And the question is, why are they not being banned by YouTube and Spotify? Well, yeah. See, now, uh, apparently the World Health Organization uh, has had a change of, of uh, heart here mm-hmm. on kids getting shots, uh, COVID shots, yeah. mRNA shots, right? Healthy and kids don't need them. They actually yeah, well, that. they actually say... And here, here's the article. Let me adjust the, uh, there we go. So it's a uh, World Health Organization guidance on shots for kids mm-hmm. contradicts Fauci. Mm-hmm. Uh, whoa, right? Yeah. Uh, how'd that happen? And so apparently, uh, let me see here. The, uh, the World Health Organization posted updated guidance on their website, which created a new hierarchy of priorities for COVID vaccinations. Groups are now labeled high, medium, or low for risk of severe disease and death. Healthy children between the ages of six months and 17 years are placed in the low risk category. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they're basically saying here that uh, it's it's not a priority for these kids between six and 17 years old to uh, have right. to go out and get the COVID shot. Now, yeah. that contradicts what the CDC Fauci. says and Fauci, the FDA, yeah. Dr. Fauci, they're all like, Hey, you know, let's approve uh, this uh, vaccine for six months old for infants. Right. Right. So if we are disagreeing with, well, let's just say this, we disagree with WHO. That's really one of the reasons they said primarily you're banned. You know what? It was in black. And I'm, I, I know I've got the yeah. screenshot somewhere from yeah. when it happened where yeah. it literally said, that uh, we, I'm sorry, we've had to ban you, or we, we've had to remove your post because yeah. you put information that that uh, I don't know what the wording was, but uh, it's it not in line with the you know yeah, with the World Health Organization. Right. So now you've got Anthony Fauci and the FDA and the CDC that are saying things that disagree with the World Health Organization now. So, so I'm just curious: Fauci, are their Facebook and their YouTube yeah. channels going to be uh, uh, banned? Yeah. Are they going to get strikes on their account? <clears throat> oh, no, not like no. That. I mean, I, it's not like I don't know the answer, but it does seem a bit hypocritical, doesn't it? Oh, totally, totally. Hmm. You you want to add anything on the uh, Bobby Kennedy running for president thing? I, I'm stoked. I think it's cool. Uh, the anti-vaxxing quack. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's exposing the leftist media for oh. the legitimacy that they are, or have, or do, or whatever. But. I don't know what it'll change among the Democrats or not, but I think, uh, you know, Bobby Kennedy and the Kennedy family is beloved among the Democratic uh, uh, history of, of America in the 20th century, primarily. Now, all of the, uh, what we call the ad hominem attacks on him, and, and of course, that would be the case uh, with Jonathan Emord as well when he runs against Tim Kaine. They won't be able to uh, talk about policy intellectually or constitutional issues intellectually, it'll be ad hominem attacks. That's all they have. And that's all they have, I believe, against Bobby Kennedy, who's a man of great integrity. So uh, I, I find it interesting that finally the Dems are going to have to deal with a disruptor. We'll see how far it goes, though. Yeah, yeah. we'll see. Um, 
I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I know it's made big news. Uh, in fact, Fox News had, was doing had a a, a a thing on him during the show. I noticed as I was watching what was going on. But yeah, uh, I would be interested in knowing whether that was something Jake Tapper said voluntarily, or if that was something that was given to him on a teleprompter. Or something. It's like, well, where did that that come from? I I'm not shocked that CNN would ref, would would have that opinion of him. Mm-hmm. But and maybe I'm just being over sensitive to the whole situation. But when I saw that clip, and it was just like anti-vaccine quack. Uh, it just for some reason it really it threw me. Yeah, I was like. That just seems really out of place. Now, other people would be like, yeah, he's an anti-vaccine quack. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I don't know. I still have this, I don't know, it's just misguided, I guess. It is. Notion that, you know, the the news is supposed to be the news. I understand there's opinions and stuff like that. But, I mean, could you imagine? Yeah. You know, it's like on, on Fox News, you know, Joe Biden said this or whatever today. What are the, you know, uh, a senile pedophile uh, hair sniffing, uh, you know, uh, you know, co- you know, crazy person Biden, uh, yeah. did this today. You know, it just have they done that in their news reports yet? I maybe I I don't think so, but you know, it's like I is it just me or is there like maybe like some of us, some people that are longing for the news for a news channel that would just tell you the news? I mean, would that even survive in today's? environment it would that even be successful or do you think there's enough people that would be like yeah that's the news channel i've always been i've been hoping for for such a long time it would be immensely successful and do really well where they they literally would just sit down and go this happened today and here's the details of what happened today i'm not we report you decide isn't that what fox used to say we report you decide right i mean there are certainly elements of certain stories as we've talked about even cnn occasionally where we have a story or have the majority of people become yeah. addicted yeah. to the highly opinionated news mm-hmm. that's just one side versus the other? You know, I don't know. My perspective on this, Super Don, not that you're interested, is I don't want nor care to have a, a news organization like you said, like you described, because I think it's always been an illusion to some degree in terms of collecting the consciousness and directing it in a certain way. There's always been bias in that regard. And I like the idea of what's emerged, even though it seems to be chaotic. You can't get, you can't grasp it. Can't get, but it's individuals reporting on what's being seen and it's going to filter through them. However, it filters through them, but the eyewitness kind of scenario where it seems to be chaotic, but it means we are now responsible for interpreting the news and not relying on so-called experts or highly paid news spokespeople to interpret the news and present what they think is newsworthy. And so it changes the equation, no doubt. And of course, we have lived through other or previous versions or beliefs about versions of the news in our lifetime to say, wouldn't it be nice to go back then? But we could show you time after time after time after time that even those that appeared to be non-biased just presenting the news were also playing out, uh, let's say, uh, manipulation of consciousness. As you know, the CIA has been embedded in these major news organizations for as long as there's been a CIA, right? So what we perceive in our lifetime super don is to be real news also wasn't oh but it was better though i mean whatever you can say you can drill down as 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 far as you want to 
you know, and and you can f- always find some level of whether it's you know filtered or or yeah. you know uh, censored or whatever. You know, uh, I get that. Yeah, but what we're seeing today on CNN and MSNBC and to some level on Fox mm-hmm. uh, is is like a hundred times more, and and it's blatant. It's in your face. I mean, they don't even hide it anymore. Well, you know, that's the thing about seeing things as they really are versus what we want them to be. And my argument is that, yes, even though it's more blatant in your face, I'm talking in a subtle but powerful way. What we called the mainstream news before it was so overt and ridiculous was still a manipulation of conscience. Yeah. No, I understand. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. We're agreeing, but I... I uh, the nuanced agreement? It's just too much, man. Yeah. It's just too much. Too much for me. I was watching Chris Hayes. Chris Hayes was doing this thing on, on MSNBC about uh, about Trump. You yeah. know, I mean, it's just, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Anyway, well, as I said, you know what? Like what <clears throat> Jonathan Emord was commenting on on Trump right today. We we're talking mm-hmm. about the case against Trump, and it wasn't at all about whether you loved Trump or hated Trump, agreed with his policies or didn't. It was specific to here are the charges, and here's the perspective from a legal, you know, analysis perspective. It's like, whether you love them or hate them, these charges are pretty darn ridiculous. And here's where they fall apart. And we went through it in that way, yeah, not right. in a way that says, Oh my gosh, we worship Trump or we hate Trump. It was like, okay, this is clearly political. I don't think it'd be arguable. Right. This is legitimate. Well, you've just, you've got, you know, the, the one side that's just doing everything to defend him. Uh, and then you've got the other side that's just, you know, jumping up and down and dancing and, and throwing confetti in the air because he got indicted. And I, I think there to, are a lot of people now that are like not on either side and going, I just think this is just ridiculous. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, eventually it has to get to that point for things to change. Mm-hmm. You know, I think people need to have that that opinion about the news in general yeah, uh, in order for things to change. And I think people are a lot closer to that now than they have been in the past. Yeah. Uh, I think the last three years really, you know, it, it opened a lot of eyeballs uh, about, you know, the media and the government and, and, you know, uh, manipulation and, and uh, you know, with what they were trying to do with COVID and with the mandates and all the craziness that, that happened from that. Yeah. Um, the question is, is, you know, what do you do with that? How do we change it? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's what we're doing. Yeah. But I mean, I think, think about well, it. I mean, I'll, the, I'll what, what, see that. The new media, right? You know, or whatever it is that it's called now, yeah, um, has taken over. That, that I <laughs> indeed, it, what we're doing is what I would like to see happen, and I think is happening to some degree. Everybody's got their biases. I mean, I got my bias, you have your bias, but I think we're pretty upfront about it. Well, you know, we've been through our life experience that brought us to this, and why we cover, if we call it the news, the way we do, and and provide perspectives the way we do. Uh, I just think it's a little bit more honest, if not a lot more honest than what we see in even the, uh, well, if it, let's just say if CNN pretends to be an actual news organization, that's dishonest because mm-hmm. what they're presenting is, as like, as you said, opinion. Uh, I think Fox does a, a somewhat of a better job acknowledging where it's more opinion versus news, sort of not pretending to be, you know, dry yeah. news. Uh, they have shows that are tending to be what they call news. And, you know, the host might have a bias there as well, but, um, you know, it's different than the total op-ed stuff, the other kind of shows. Right. Yep. Just watch Bill Maher. He'll take care of it for you and make you laugh. Right. All right. Well, also, anyway. uh, 
remember the upcoming events. Uh, we've got a bunch of them. Check them out. Upcoming events tab. Um, discounts on all kinds of things, including Babri's wonderful Folium products, foliumpx.com. Yesterday, we had Dr. Winkler on. If you missed that, great. I was finally, you know, I've been after Babri. I'm like, Babri, I want to talk to a doctor that's working with, with Folium to get his or her perspective. And we got that yesterday. It was awesome. Yeah, it was good. Validating what I had been feeling about it, but still, it's great to have those stories. In addition to last, I think it was last Sunday that we aired, if I'm not mistaken, the interview with Chloe and her mother, I believe Michelle, uh, about her um, her daughter's vaccine injury, HPV, and what, what she's done to recover it with the, the folium. So in that, in addition to what my mom's benefiting by, y'all check it out, foliumpx.com, RSB10 discount. If that discount doesn't work, just reach out, send an email or call, and they'll cover. Uh, Babri will take care of you. Uh, what else? Anything else? That's all I got. Dude, yeah, this show went fast. It was really good. Really good. Anything else in the chat room that I should know about? Take a look real quick. Uh, I am over on Restream looking at social media, and uh, Marge was, was hanging out with us in the chat room there over on Rumble. Oh, good. Yeah, Rumble. We don't see. I think everybody was watching Neil deGrasse Tyson being interviewed. Dude, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, when I get a chance, I'm going to go check that out. I mean, Dell Bigtree and Neil deGrasse Tyson, I have no, I can't even, what? Yeah. I got to go watch that and see how yeah. that went. <laughs> yeah. Let's see what happens there. Bolden's got to run. Love you, Michael. Have a great, great weekend. And uh, we'll see you next Friday, I believe. We got Bolden on next Friday, if that's schedule is correct. That is correct. And so, uh, again, tomorrow I'll pick a, uh, an encore uh, for tomorrow's show because it's uh, Good Friday. Of course, every, every Friday is good. Yeah. But it's extra Good Friday. Uh, and uh, Pastor Steve German, Steve German on yeah. Sunday. Yep. And then back, uh, back to the old grind on Monday. Yeah, we should be live for our friends on Brodion.tv as well, I believe. Let me just double check this here. Uh, oh, Be Healthy Utah is next. Is that all right? No, that's... Oh, next Friday is... Dude, what time am I flying out on Friday the 14th? Good Lord. Yeah, I've got to you know, officiate the memorial service for yes. uh, Ruth Quinto. Okay. Oh, gosh. Let me see. I got to look, dude. Because we might have to record early with Bolden if that's the case. I'm just thinking out loud here, but... Six days. It'll be the 14th. Flying out at what time? Oh, good Lord. Yeah, no, I'm I'm gone Friday the uh, 14th. So Friday's the travel day. Travel day. We got to pre-record or something for Friday. The the uh, I'm talking so about the 14th. Maybe we might be able to see if uh, Bolden can record earlier in the week for Friday, maybe. Yeah, let's plant, plant that seed uh, for Friday the uh, 14th. And it looks like Monday, let me see what time I'm flying out on Monday, the 16th. Again, I'm doing that memorial service, uh, so um, it's unusual. Here we are in the bonus round where we're doing inside Robert Scott Bell Show Baseball. Yes. Uh, let's see. Let me go back and look at the other one. Going backwards and seeing this one. So we would be 3 to 5 Eastern time, and I'm leaving at 4.57 Eastern time. So, yeah, Monday also. Is problematic. Gosh darn it! These travel trips are gonna eke into it. So we've got to see if we can put some. So for Monday the seventeenth. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we got to put some things in advance, plan ahead. Okay. So okay. Knock that into the calendar. Did we decide on our AMA being the uh, no, Monday the twenty fourth? I think Monday the twenty fourth for the AMA. Okay. Hi everybody! Isn't this fun? Yeah. So, okay. So Monday the twenty fourth. 
will be our AMA. Okay. Yeah. And I think it's 7 Eastern and 4 p.m. Pacific. Correct. Am I right about that? Yep. Okay. So that'll be a long day on Monday. But anyway, we'll get her done. So right. thank you all for being here. Long day, a good day, fast and great stuff happening. I appreciate you being here and sharing the show. And uh, with that, until uh, what? Less than 22 hours from now. God willing, we'll be back. Um, okay. You're okay with that? Yeah. I'm supposed to push the button now, right? Make it so. Okay. See you guys later.